Hey, this is Brian Level. Uh, I'm working on some uh, Deadpool and the Mercs for Money, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Is what are you saying? What is that? <laughs> Why are you like this? You know, what is it? Should I know? Hey, bro. Oh, well, I didn't hear exactly what you said. Oh, no, no, it's in the viewing. There you go. That's why I don't know it. I never fly in the viewing. Or United. No, yeah, really. He's Sicilian. Oh, you're eight. Be all piling on Jesus. It's got cheese. Jesus. You are? I am, yeah. I need you to pick me up. I didn't say you need to pick it up. You need to pick it up. You got stuff happening. Oh. I'm hoping that... Hey everybody, look at this, it's 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 471, and I'm Vince B. Oh man, oh man, oh man, you are Vince B, I am David A. Price. Indeed you are, and I am everyone's favorite furry, god-faring, space hero, Rocket Raccoon. Wow. When's that coming out? Soon, right? It's out. <laughs> Be there you- tomorrow, son. You're not Rocket Raccoon. Are you going to see it? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) But no, you're not Rocket Raccoon. You're Jason Wood, everybody. So we're all together. Kids, man, take take care of my kids. That's true. It does look very good. (laughs) It looks better than good. You know. You know what looks better than Guardians of the Galaxy? Nothing. My, um, excuse me, my bill every month from Discount Comic Book Service, when I look oh, to see look how much money I save on my favorite comic books and collectibles, it's amazing. Guess what? The new list of specials what? is up. And I've selected yep. a couple. This may not ring with all of my co-hosts, but some of them will. From Boom. It's the Clive Barker Hellraiser Omnibus Trade Paperback Volume 1. Massively discounted. This thing reprints Clive Barker's Hellraiser number 1 to 20. This is not the Marvel stuff. This is the Boom stuff. Okay? And uh, Clive Barker's Hellraiser annual, it's 500 pages. The cover price of this thing is $39.99. Guess what you can get it for at Discount Comic Book Service. I can't even fathom it. Which is guess. Not Three down. bucks. Nineteen ninety nine. That's fifty percent off. I was a little off, but still a little. But that's all right. From Image, Rick Remender, Greg Tuccini, and Dave McCaig. It's the Low Deluxe Hardcover Volume One. I know, right? It reprints Low Number One to Fifteen. This is a massive hardcover. Cover price again, forty nine ninety nine. But because you you're in the know and you know where to go, you are going to get this for half that. $24.99. $24. Yes, that's true. And uh last but certainly not least from Titan Comics, it is the Mandrake the Magician. Fred Frederick's Daily's hardcover volume 1. It's the it's the month for big ass hardcovers. 
This reprints Mandrake the Magician from 1965 to 1967. And uh, cover price, $49.99. Your price, $27.49. That's 45% off. Mm. You're silly if you're not going to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Everything you want at a fraction of the cost. That should be their slogan. Totally, totally surprised, Vince, that you're you're not talking up the Mouse Guard Alphabet book. Well, he doesn't want it to. He doesn't want it to to sell out. He wants to make sure he doesn't get uh, forced into a lottery. He gets in on that. Yeah, yeah. So. I, exactly it, look, right. it looks nice. I, 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 you know, it didn't. It didn't ring the bell. Ding, ding. All right. Well, if you had to choose, yes, between a Terry Moore omnibus mm. and this, what would you choose? Terry Moore omnibus. Yeah, I'd go with the Terry Moore omnibus. Smart man. Yeah, I, I mean, I am. I'm, I haven't looked at the site yet, but just going through the previews, I'm. I'm curious to see how much the uh, shit my president says from shit. Sounds mm-hmm. special, special well, discount. Is it okay? Yeah. And uh, Tom Zeller's uh, Time and Vine number one because okay. that's that's for ninety nine retail. That's from uh, ID Dubs. But yeah, no, there were a couple things in here that um, I uh, dog eared. My a couple few three things? Yeah, a couple few three things. A little peek behind the curtain. When I got the previews, I slacked to the guys. I said, man, this previews is loaded with shit this month. Like, I couldn't yeah. find anything to order. But I persevered. I and think there's lots of stuff. I, I don't know about lots of stuff. but Yeah, no, I, but, and there's a couple of things that are just um, not, I'm not going to say oddball, but uh, Dark Horse and DC are continuing their crossover in this time it's with the mask um yeah and I, i'm not sure what again what what the price is on dcbs is for that um but yeah there were uh and and there's a um if, if you're a rick and morty fan dark horse has a uh the the art of rick and morty hardcovers i mean there yeah they're, there are a few things there's um and of course the, the zero issue for uh the final part of the Mage trilogy. They're, yeah, that's and Sabrina's up. back. Apparently, big doings. Yeah, Sabrina is back. In in theory, we'll see when that thing ships. That's true. But uh, you know, tiny, eensy teensy little bone to pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stan, kind of yeah, with DCBService.com. dot com. Um, oh. Yeah, just a, it's small. It's a tiny one. You know, they're uh, our sponsor, right? I do know they're our sponsor, but they'll okay. take it all. It, it, in well-intentioned as mm-hmm. it is being delivered. Um, I was very excited to see uh, Stan Sakai is doing Usagi Yojimbo, Teen- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, the only one that's discounted is the soft cover. Oh, the the hardcover version is not discounted. Well, it's, it's, really not, it's, odd, not, it's not massively discounted. The The soft cover you can get for like four ninety nine. Mm-hmm. That's it's cheapness, but that's the, super odd. It is odd, but mm-hmm. I was I was just because I'm all about the hardcover. But when I saw that it wasn't discounted, I said, you know what? I guess I'll go with the soft cover because I'm getting it for half off. Boys, I pants. wonder if uh, I wonder if it's um, an oversight. There's no major. There's well, I mean, it, it could be, but uh, or it could just be not a. Um, it, it's not uh, as discounted as the other stuff to retailers. Exactly. Right. 
which is silly. But anyway, a little oh, let, little let down, but I ordered it nonetheless. So I'm still doing the dance. Nice. Yeah. Uh, any thank yous this week? We do, but I want to save mine for later. Yeah? Yeah, because okay. I, I want to talk about the book that I received. Uh, okay. I guess we're talking about it later then. Did you read it? I, I guess so. Fuck yeah, I read it. I know, right? How high are you, dog? mouth over here. Uh, then I'll save that thank you, but I do have a shout out. Mm. Our good buddy uh, and independent comics creator and former guest of the show, Mr. Sean Pryor, yes. is coming home again. For those of you that know Sean or know of Sean's career, several years back he was president of Action Lab Entertainment. Uh, and he left to do some other things and refocus on creating comics. Well, I guess you really can go home again because it was announced today that Mr. Pryor has returned, this time in a new role, a newly created role, uh, of president of creative relations at Action Lab Entertainment. So kudos to him. He is um, he's excited. I talked to him today after the announcement. He is basically their A&R rep now. Yeah, so part time gig, so he can still do his own, create his own stuff, and he has a full time job on top of all that. But he'll be essentially the liaison of both getting, finding, and getting creators to come to Action Lab, and then handling those relationships, including the realities of being a small press creator, and um, you know, and, and and all the the myriad hoops you have to jump through, and and the learning process. So that he's going to take his experiences over the last decade of making his own books at a number of different imprints and hopefully making the experiences for the Action Lab creators that much easier. So yeah. kudos to him, man. Sweet. That's funny. You um, I, I, you were talking to him, but I, I, I was texting him during one of my meetings this afternoon, and, and it's – we pretty much – you and I are on the same – Wavelength there, because my, my, my text pretty much started off with uh, something about all, all roads leading to home. So mm-hmm. it's, it, it's fitting. It, it's, it's very true. Yes. And Mr. Dave Dwant, another friend who is stepping away from the company. Uh, I wish him well. It's funny. They're kind of going in, in circles here. Sean was one of the founders, left the president role to create his own comics and focus on creating his own work. Now, Duanch, who stepped into the president's role, is leaving to start creating his own comics. <laughs> so, so it's a little bit of uh, yin yang, but uh, but either way, I wish them both well. Same. They're good people. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I love that Danger Zone stuff. Love it. I know you do. I love you it do. so much. Yep. Zombie Tramp. Vamp Blade. Vamp yeah. Blade. Yes. yes. And also, we should remind people that in five weeks, it's going to be here before we know it, the weekend of June 16th through the 18th, Heroes Con in Charlotte, North Kakalaka. Uh, it's going to be a banner year because not only is it um, a year we're with, returning. Yes, we are returning. Uh, thank you, David. And David and, Jason are, David and Jason are returning. But uh, it's the Wait, first it's time ever... For Mr. Vince B making an appearance. Yes. And we're road tripping it too. So if any of our listeners feel like meeting us at a rest stop along Route 81. <laughs> yeah, 81. Hours, yeah, that's, yeah, that's. Is it 81 or am I? It's, no, it's, no 81. It's, inter, it's Interstate 81. Interstate 81. Uh, we will be happy to imbibe with you. 
At least two of us. The other one has to drive. I think it's uh, straight down 81, right? Yeah. Nice. Flawless. Effortless. So depending on, you know, road work and stupidity, we'll uh, – but it'll be – we'll, we'll, we'll have the GoPro going and we'll just have a – Yeah. Time. One one of those fun. will occur outside of the car and the other inside of the car. The road work is outside. The, the, the stupidity will be inside the car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <Stupid> <laughs> <fools>. <laughs> you damn fool. Yeah. You damn fool. All right. So also we should let our, our listeners know that we have a guest this week. We do. We'll be bringing him in in about a uh, half hour from now. So we'll bang out some other stuff. And then I don't know that he's a man with a busy schedule, so I don't know that we're going to have him for the whole ep. So we'll have to see that. But uh, he he is someone that we've been looking forward to having for a bit here. And uh, hopefully they enjoy that. In the meantime, we'll squeeze some comic talk in before and after. Cool. Did you both read the button part three? No. Yes. Oh, okay. I thought David would. You, you were the, the my question. Well, I didn't even know it came out yet. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for telling me. I did. Wow, you did. <laughs> yes. What I, is happening? I, I, I said on the uh, I said on the Slack yesterday that. Um, oh, I missed it, boo. Yeah, it's, it's all right. But it's. I did and, read and, our homework assignment though. What was that? You what, you gave it to me. <laughs> I know oh, what yeah. it is. I, I I read that too. I mean, we can get that added away. Um, First, what? we need to know what we're drinking though. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Nice way to bring it back, bro. Bro, what are you drinking, Jason? I am drinking Guinness Blonde. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Guinness Blonde. <laughs> that is that is so so that's your carb for the day? It is. I have to be honest. I was very close to not drinking it. I I I am I am down a lot of LBs. I'm I'm approaching the thirty pound mark. And I was like, mm, I don't know. This could this could throw me back a day or two, but but for the sake of the episode and wanting to relax, I grabbed I grabbed two of them actually. Wow! Wow! So that's four days. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a situation. A situation. Uh, what about you, Vince? I'm drinking diet soda. Oh, Jesus H. <laughs> Jesus H. Diet soda. Oh, literally, can't. Um. This is something new. I um, something I borrowed it, and something blue. It's not blue, and it's definitely not borrowed. Um, mm-hmm. But it's uh, and the cap is red. I saw the label, had to try it. I'm not huge with the whole with uh, with the Shiraz, but this is actually from Jacobs Creek Double Barrel Shiraz because this is finished in aged whiskey. Oak barrel. Man, that is your jam. You are all yeah. about these wines finished in, in the whiskey. Seriously, actually, and you know what else is pretty good? Um, and it's not a wine. Is uh, Jameson's has a few different um, varieties now instead of just a straight Irish whiskey. They have um, Cask Mates, which is uh, their Irish whiskey aged in beer. Um, Barrels, and they have something called, um, I think it's double black, and that is finished in, um, and I'm, I'm gonna just say American whiskey barrels, and that was, that was pretty damn tasty when I had a sample of that, but this Shiraz is, um, 
it's pretty good. It's got a little bit of a, uh, um, a slight, slight linger. It's, it's aged in scotch, whiskey, oak barrels. Um, and it is, uh, it's, it's pretty good. It's, it's not sweet at all. It, it's, um, it, it's something that I think I will, uh, have again in the future. Excellent. So our homework assignment per Vince, particularly, and this shows how much I do love him. I love him. Oh my god! In so many ways. Oh my goodness! No, I'm no saying, because I know I, what's coming. I know what's coming. When no, you, when, no, no, no! You misunderstand. See, this is see, you're, you're, you hurt my heart. You I'm misunderstand. Sorry. What I'm saying is, is the fact that you gave me this assignment and I did it is a testament of love to you because I have been very open for a long time right. that I have found this character to be uh, unappealing. But in spite of that, I took your word and tried this book per your request. Mm-hmm. And we are talking about written by Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder. And, and, uh, Steve, Orlando. Steve, Orlando. and Steve Orlando. That's what I was there. Co-written by Scott Snyder and Steve Orlando with ridiculously good art it is by riley rossmo it's ridiculously it is, beautiful it is, it yeah. is sick. uh colors by yvonne placencia clem robbins on letters you are talking about batman shadow yes we are part one of six should be 12 but i'll take the six Ooh. i am at a loss for how beautiful this book is <laughs> seriously i could not stop just staring at the pages. Yeah. Um, it's, the, the, the kick in the nuts is right in the beginning when we see Arkham Asylum, the gates and the building, mm-hmm. and it's just like, oh, you can. Well, I, I don't know about both of you, but I can look at that image for, for uh, forever. Just yeah, just it, it so sets the mood and the tone just perfectly. Boom! It's it's autumn, the leaves. It's like I swear yeah. the sun never shines on Arkham Asylum. There, there must See, be I, some kind of like force bubble around it that mm-hmm. that dispels sunlight because it's always gloomy and murky and mm-hmm. and and cold and and dead looking around Arkham and it's just it just works. I was grabbed by the page where the gentleman's being attacked mm-hmm. and he drops his Chinese food. Is the little mane goes flying? Oh my gosh! I mean, yeah. talk about an illustrative image. It's it's for the listeners that haven't seen it. It's. It's a it's a Chinese food carton of lo mein, as Dap said, a shrimp lo mein from the looks of it, and it falls on the ground because the guy's being attacked, and you just see this lo mein spilling out all over with blood splatter all, all around it. It's yeah. it's such a powerful image of, of of something that's so innocuous otherwise, and it tells the story. Uh, it's oh man, I, I, I we've always been fans of Riley's work, and one of the interesting things about Riley is if you chronicle his his career as a comic book artist he's had a lot of different styles he likes to 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 try different styles out mm-hmm. he's had scratchy stuff he's had very tight stuff um but dare i say i i don't know that he's ever looked better and i've always been a fan so that's not a there's, there's nothing right. backhanded in that at all he's slowly becoming more detailed yes yeah yes i think it's a like, good you're thing like a cowboy ninja viking right that was right right yeah that was a lot of blacks, a lot of, lot of um, negative space, uh, very scratchy, and, and it served the purpose of the book. I, I thought, I mean, it was it was also beautiful, but but this, oh, I don't know, this is a whole other level. I got a question for Dap because I don't read every Bat title. Mm-hmm. Um, 
well, I didn't New 52. Now I am with this, the, the rebirth stuff. But what is this bat ops computer? This, far, this is, no, I, I, I don't, this is, uh, pretty much my, my first experience with it. Well, let me ask you the obvious question. Why does the master detective need a, a forensic computer? Well, he had one in the 60s TV show. I think it's too. It's it doesn't count. I think it's. I think it's. It's for research purposes. I, I believe it's because he's. It, it allows him to um, take a snapshot of the scene, so he can call back to it if necessary. Yeah, he, uh, and God forbid he doesn't want to ar- anger Montoya because he only has four and a half minutes to do his work. So yes. Yeah. Which I thought was was kind of neat. Um, this is the most attractive Montoya I've seen outside of the animated series. I think you're right. They usually draw her a little, ma- little masculine, Angular, like yeah. like yeah, like yeah. not in fifty two. She was attractive in fifty two, mm-hmm. but this is. I mean, she's striking in this book. I agree. Um, I was, I one of my favorite. All time, and that's because of the 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 Boss Thorn uh, Don Newton drawn issues back in the day. But one of my favorite aliases for Batman is Matches Malone, and to see mm-hmm. him here, um, yeah, I love that. Matches. That pretty much just. I mean, unfortunately, I, I guess the spirit gun is a little lacking because he can't keep the goddamn mustache on. But it mm-hmm. is a uh, it you know it, of, of all his, and, and that is the one you pretty much if if he needs to go. Uh, and talk to anybody from from uh, the criminal underworld. That that's that's his go to. So to see that character make an appearance, um, definitely it between the art. Uh, actually, well, with the art, it, it there wasn't a whole lot that needed this issue to to tip the scales in my favor in its favor for me. But it's uh, but adding matches to it definitely uh, made it that much more enjoyable. Vince, that page is available. It's only two hundred dollars. The Arkham page? Mm-hmm. Stop! Wow, that's ridiculously cheap. It is. I know. How much is the Shadow page when he says the Shadow Which knows? One? The the Splash. The first appearance of. Yeah. Uh, that's well, it's sold, so I don't know. Fake. Oh. It's already sold. Sorry. Yeah. I want a page with matches. But I want that matches in the elevator page. The uh, the question remains: When Batman is is talking to. Uh, um, the guard, Clyde Burke, the the old man, and he's right. like, he's like, you oh. knew, you knew Cranston. How the hell did you know Cranston? I mean, Cranston's not a, not an old guy. You're old. How could you possibly have known him for fifty years? I'm really hoping that there's no supernatural element to the shadow. Oh, so interesting. That's what I was going to ask you because I, I how could there I not be? Since I don't know the shadow well, I I I took from the story that the shadow was super old and doesn't age and I was going to ask you guys if, if he is super powered because I thought he was just a regular dude no he's not super well he okay if you consider he dabbles in the mystics doesn't he, he? Yeah, but it depends because it, of the whole it, it dep- I mean, he depends. hypnotizes people he right right if, if, if you if you consider being able to cloud men's minds a superpower I mean I would love to have that superpower uh, then yeah he has powers above you know the average dude, but I, I don't want any Lazarus Pit thing going on here. 
or, yeah, or no, any, no, no, any no. kind of mystical hoodoo, like um, uh, an elixir or something, that would be okay. But not a supernatural pit that he immerses himself into and comes out younger. That I, 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 I want them just to stay true to the to the character. I hope that's what we're getting here. But did you notice the fight scene where um, at the top of the page Batman's leaping and he says, yep. "You you will tell me," and then you get twelve panels. Is it just me, or it, did, did that feel like Manhunter? That page feels like oh, Simonson's like Manhunter. Manhunter. Yeah, just the flow of it and the 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 uh, the way that it yeah. bounces back yeah. from like medium to long shot to to up close to back to medium, and then you get a real tight shot, and then I, I, just, I thought it was neat. So well done having Man. the battle with the shadow in the shadows. And then that next page splash reveal. Oh, that page wonderful, is wonderful artistic choice. And the imposing visage of the shadow. What's the deal with how does he know all these things about Batman? He knows many things. Well, I get it, but I'm saying is I mean, as far as this function? goes, this is only the first issue. I don't know how he knows. Okay. Yeah, I mean he's been around a, a while. Um, he is. Well. He's he's a a, a, a master of uh, the detective arts, just like uh, Batman is. So, okay. Except he has two things, and he has something in both hands that Batman refuses to use. That's pretty much right. the difference. But there's there's, and he's a prick. Obviously, a, a who? Which one? Lamont. I he's mean, a, he's I, you a can prick. say that about either. Oh, Bruce isn't a prick. Oh, Bruce isn't. No, Lamont Batman is. But no, not really. Um, he's got a heart, but yes, yes, Lamont, the he, shadow definitely he's is. A dick. Uh, however, um, as as beautiful as it is, as as uh, there there is there's uh, I'm going to say um, there's supposed to be a story on these pages as well, and there's <laughs> a mystery because be. well only because all right I, I I'll get this out of the way now I wasn't I wasn't really impressed with the um, with really how, how how Batman was portrayed in this issue, as far as the way he, um, kind of it just with all the other Batman stories, especially with with, with Tom's Batman and then in the fourth writing, Detective Comics have I've been enjoying Batman more recently than than, than I have um, in recent years, and this just this there, there were parts of this that just didn't. Um, Said all that, right. that right with me. And, and I think the reason for that is the costume. The costume sets it smack dab right in Rebirth. Yes, it's, it's definitely a Rebirth era Batman. Right. If this was Legends of the Dark Knight, where, yeah, where the, the, the timeline was a little vague, because you have Bruce asking for help, like almost groveling for help. To training in in training right. to fight, and it's like that's true. This is not the Batman we know. Like he needs help combating someone. Like it doesn't it doesn't click. Is are they trying to make the Shadow that formidable that Bruce needs? I mean, he's never needed help in in recent memory to to. Okay, yeah, Bane, but that's but because that's he had a problem. Any chance I mean, that Batman doesn't get the leg up at some point, though. 
Well, he's going to, yeah. I'm it's sure written he, by Scott Snyder. So. I, I'm sure he will, but it's, it's, it's just it seems this this person here, the, this Bruce Wayne seems a bit on the neophyte side where that's just not – it's just ridiculous to think that Rebirth well, Batman would need assistance in and this they're, respect. They're, they're expecting you to, to – uh, there's that, you know – Batman begins connection because uh, the, the, as soon as the, the issue opens up, he's face to face with Henry Descartes, and and that of course is the person who uh, Rachel Gould trained him, and and it's it's all so for him to uh, go back to the person who pretty much set him on this path. Um, it's yeah, it, it's. That's a little different than you know if, if you read the button and and you know you 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 see Bruce talking to Barry talking about how you know this this the cave is set up the way it was before I you know don the cowl and and so there's it's it's yes it looks like it's it's rebirth Batman but it's written in a way that that it really could be um, just an any old pick pick the story up off the shelf and and read it type Batman but. For some reason, the shadow is killing. If 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 we're to believe what we see, um, other it looks like he's going hunting for other Lamont Cranstons. Right. Yeah. And and so it's. Um, I presume though it's always not what it seems. That's yeah because it it's it's. Um, I mean, he's not a he. He's not prone to. Killing innocent people, correct? Not innocents, no. Not innocent people, no. no. And this guy definitely, I mean, aside from, um, you know, being friendly to inmates at Arkham and, and being the, the owner of a disabled dog, it, I don't know what the hell this guy could do. Could they right. make, could they make this guy look any better? Seriously. I know. Yeah. And he's gay. It's like, dude, it's like. That I, page, I, that I, page of him going to Arkham with all the villains is available. It's a beautiful okay. page. And it is a beautiful page, but I, Taps all about the butts. I am because I'm I'm reading this and I'm like, why why are they why is why is Harvey wearing his fucking suit? Why is Maxi Zeus still in his toga? It's like it's like they're in they're 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 See, Vince, you thought I was gonna be the problem with this review. No, yeah, I did. You're, right, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And uh, <laughs> I'm all like, nah man, I'm glad you had me read it. Jeff's like I got I got feel some kind of way. Let me let me go through my list. Let me yeah, let me just put this out and check all these boxes off. Um and and that's it was I liked so much about it and and I think that that's why some of these other things are uh sticking out like a sore thumb to me because as it's like three steps forward and then and then a slight step back and and everything is um but i mean it's 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 still it's first issue it's it's you know you don't it's pretty much a setup and it's it's mm-hmm. meant to uh Peak of curiosity enough that that you want to know what the hell's going on. So right. I, I definitely think it did that, and and it is an absolutely beautiful comic book. Um, this I, is I, this is the thousandth example in our almost nine years of doing this all together, where this is a case of depending on who the character is and our familiarity and and intimacy with that character, how we take on a, a interpretive interpret a book because. Since I have no long-term affinity for Batman and have read just a fraction of the 
Batman stories that you both have, I gave no thought to whether he was portrayed in an odd way based on the time period. I, I, if anything, thought of this as an Elseworld since it's Batman Shadow and just ran with it. But I can see your point because if this was Wolverine Shadow, I'd probably be feeling some kind of way if I thought it was off, you know, because I care about that character and have a much stronger sense of when the character is quote unquote written correctly or not. So yeah, I can see why you're coming at it from that angle. It didn't affect me whatsoever though, because it just struck me as a, a reasonable facsimile of how I think of Bruce Wayne. Right. I'm looking at the elevator page again and, and in the background is, Oh, sure. I can't stop looking at this page. There's, there's the, the Carman and, and, and matches and and the, the slightly warped reflection in, in the mirror. It's every time I think about picking at this for something inconsequential, I, I I just, I look back at the art, but I'm sorry, Vince, I cut you off. No, I was just going to say, if this was Wolverine shadow, Lamont probably would have walked off because he doesn't work with second stringers. Uh, now, see, <laughs> you know, you you always have been Everybody. one of those you're one of those people that hurts hurts the ones you love. I, I know because you know I'm kidding be, because you came in expecting me to poo poo it. I did. I had nothing bad to say about it. Your boo over here is ripping it to shreds. And you shreds. you front on my character. Nah, he's not ripping it to shreds. He's just he's he's, he's, he's kind of like he loves Batman though. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Uh, I, you know, well, you, I think it's time to get our guest. That's I, I'm strange because I allow a lot of malleability with certain characters, but like with other ones, like the Shadow or Cable, I don't. They got to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. So I understand where, where Dap's coming from. All right, and we're back. As we told you, we have been excited for a few weeks now that we're going to have a guest on the show that we have been wanting to have on for a long time. The man is very busy, but he did finally uh, carve out some time on his schedule to sit down in the fourth chair with us. He is uh, a Jersey boy, so you know I've got mad love for him. Uh, now in California by way of Georgia. But uh, I think more importantly for the rest of you all, you all know him as the co-creator of one of the best comics on the stands, and that comic being East of West. Please welcome to the show, comic book artist extraordinaire, Mr. Nick Dragata. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's, it's great to finally have you on. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Absolutely. So what do you guys want to talk about? Everything, everything. So, <laughs> all of it. Um, so, listen. Um, Got to talk about Jersey for a second because um, th- these two guys aren't Jersey guys. So, now Jason's finally not outnumbered. Exactly, exactly. Garden State represent. Um, I still live in New Jersey, so I still have mad love for it. But what uh, what part of Jersey were you from? I was born in Philly originally. Okay. So my parents yeah. are from Philadelphia, and mm-hmm. then we. They quickly moved down to uh, Cape May, New Jersey. Got it. So okay. I grew up in Cape May, the southernmost tip. It's a big yep. tourist town on the beach. And then uh, in middle school or sixth grade, we moved to Elmer, New Jersey, which is, you know, like, uh, some would say, like, like you know, yeah. <laughs> farmlands. There's yep. not much going on. Vineland is like a big city near there. Sure. Uh, Glassboro, so Rowan State. Like, we were mm-hmm. kind of in between those two towns. Um, and then, you know, like, maybe 45 minutes outside of Philadelphia. 
Nice. Uh, so yeah, it was kind of like a big switch, but that's Jersey for you. You know, you can go from the beach to really rural farms, um, you know, to the city. So I, I look yeah, forward I to when, uh, when East of West is wrapped up and you do your next creator own book, I'm expecting it to be somehow involving the Jersey devil. <laughs> yeah, we grew up with that myth for sure. Uh, always driving through the the Pine Barrens. The Pine Barrens, yeah. Like I, mm. I remember in elementary school, it was the thing to to get that because I remember we had a book on the Jersey Devil, and it just had. I, I'd love to kind of track this book down because it just had some really scary illustrations in it, and um, I can't remember yeah, I was the name believer. of it. But. I, I grew up in Central Jersey, so not far. From, geographically from from where you're talking about and, and we were totally believers in the fine barons in the jersey devil why would yeah to... well i mean you remember like there there's a part of the pine barrens where the pine trees only grow a certain height right and like you could just be walking in the woods and it's just it's normal trees and then you get to this area where the trees are all four foot feet tall absolutely and you hear all these rumors, and then, like, you know, I talked to a scientist one day, and they're like, oh, yeah, that happens when there's certain things in the soil and stuff. And I'm like, oh, as kids, we thought it was, like... <laughs> totally. It was the devil's <laughs> handiwork. <laughs> Devil keeping well, anyway, the trees so, down. Yeah. So were you in Jersey up until, I, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, you went to SCAD to study illustration. So were you in Jersey until then? Yeah, I I went to Shalik High School in South Jersey. So mm -hmm. it was really small high school. I think there's like there's like 115 kids in our class, senior class. Um, I had no exposure to comics. Like my comics, I got it was called at uh, Anderson's Market. It was a deli that had a spinner rack. Okay. Um, and the cool thing was like this was comics were doing really well. So the original image guys hadn't done image yet. This is like ninety one. I started to get into comics. So how old were you and, then? Roughly so we can uh sixteen. Okay. Maybe, I guess. Yeah. So I'm old. Uh I mean it was hard to I never I was never exposed to comic shops and we didn't have the internet. You know? So we uh then you get Wizard magazine, you kinda of see what else is going on out there. I would drive. I would have to drive like hours to go to a good comic shop. Um, I can't remember what the name of the shop was uh, or the name of the parkway it was off of, but it was a really good store, and I would have to drive like an hour and a half to get to it. Okay. Um, and then the other place was I got my comics was at a uh, this guy in Violence. He had a fish store, and he opened up a comic shop out of his like parents' like pet store. And it was like they mostly sold fish. Wait, like my inside brother, their pet store? Yeah. And my brother uh, was like, for some odd reason, got into collecting fish or having fish. They never lasted long. And he was like, I'm going to go buy some fish food. And I was like, I'll come with you. And we went. And then uh, I walked by this room. And it's just like filled <laughs> with all these rad comics. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And the guy was like, come on in. And it's like behind a curtain. What yeah, kind of comics were these? Like, were these? My, <laughs> they were good. They were the. It was the good stuff. The guy had good taste. And uh, he was like, he became my dealer. Like I would go, like, can you get me Frank Miller Daredevils? And he would, he'd like come back next week with like eight issues of it, and charge no, me like whatever it said they cost in the guides. And stuff. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, even like just trying to get comics back then was tough. But then the image explosion happened, and then I, I don't know if you know Woodstown, New Jersey. They had I mean, like I know a where it is. Shop. I, 
Yeah, they they had a card. Remember, like every card shop started selling comics at, like around '93. Oh, for sure. Because it was like a you know when it became like the speculative market. Um, so then I I could get comics and stuff more readily. But, yeah. Now, what was the name of the comic shop that sold fish? Was it Comics and Fish? I can't I can't remember. <laughs> I bet you it's not even there anymore. Yeah, that sounds great. But, I know what a cra- that's crazy. Because well, I wonder, I mean, you know, makes you it makes me wonder if you if you didn't go with your brother to get fish that time, would you be would you be here today talking to us about? Yeah, your, I think so. I mean, you like I feel like if you there's a certain love you got to have to like you guys know it. I mean, you're you, you're doing a podcast outside of what you normally would be doing you know what i'm saying like there's a drive in you to just be a part of this industry and that i feel like that comes from a certain love and it's like you're gonna figure it out or find it um but yeah i mean i can't i can't stress how rural where i grew up was like it was farmland as far as the eye could see and you know we were like were you farming i mean when you were like were you actually yeah i mean i worked on a When I was in high school, I worked on a corn farm. I mean, we'd get up before school, like at 4.30 in the morning. We'd go pack corn for the supermarkets. Okay. Um, yeah, and then I'd go to high school. And then I'd come right home and sleep. Yeah, so. And were you always uh, were you always in, into the art side of it? And were you drawing as a young kid? Was that something you always were into? Yeah, I've been drawn as long as I can remember. And then I would go off and on with it, you know, and... In high school, I uh, I was always it was I'm a I'm a twin. Me and my brother. So oh, we I were, didn't know that. Cool. We were yeah, we were really driven to like work and earn money. And uh, so, like, I remember in high school, I went on work release. Um, I went to Votech. Got it. And then I went to work on work release. But the the vocation I I studied was drafting. So like, I was always in some way just trying to draw and then i went on work release and worked at a um a glass like a glass blowing factory that they made chemical glassware called chem glass and uh so i would draw their blueprints but it's kind of cool like instead of going to high school i was doing technical drawings and i thought i probably i was back then i probably thought like oh this this could be a job it was a good job um you know i was making more than minimum wage working at least 20 hours a week and like bringing home money while when I should have been in high school. Uh, and then I was like, maybe I'll be an architect, but then I just, you know, I think I got pretty bored with it and was always drawing comics on the side. Mm -hmm. Didn't really realize you could have a career until like, I think the image guys, you know, like then Rob Liefeld's and Levi's commercials and, um, just trying to figure out where to go to school, how to go about it. I was going to go to the Kubert school I remember going up there, but wasn't really feeling Dover, New Jersey. Um, and the, <laughs> the big why. thing, yeah, the big thing with Kubert was they didn't offer a degree. Um, they offered right. a certificate. Certificate, right? Yeah, I forget what it was called, but like my that it was it didn't matter to me. And anyone that went to Kubert or thinking of going, none of that matters now. I mean, in retrospect, you know, a degree doesn't matter. Actually, school depending on what you put into it. Um, but, yeah, so then I went to a comic convention in Philly, and SCAD had a table. 
and I brought my portfolio and uh, they were like, we'll give you a scholarship if you come to our school. And I was like, oh, okay. And that was enough to like get my parents to be like, well, we'll go down there and check it out. And Savannah was beautiful. Like I, I never really left Jersey. And then, so, you know, it was, that was kind of eye opening, and uh, that's quite like, the, yeah, yeah, right, quite the uh, culture shock to go from. Yeah, South and Jersey I was Savannah. definitely scared. Like I was like, God, and I didn't, you know, I was a, such a homebody. I didn't want to leave. And you go down with like it, it was a, it's a full on art school, you know. So it's a bunch of kids from like all, all over the world, and uh, yeah. So, but you know, I studied comics, so it's still comfortable. Yeah. By the way, just so you know, because uh, I don't know, Vince is actually spent a good chunk of his life as a uh, doing technical illustrations, and I think you would, Vince, you would probably echo the lamentations of that, right? Yeah, it's, it's a living <laughs> hell at a, at a certain point. What uh, what kind of technical drawing? Uh, you name it: um, electrical schematics, uh, architectural stuff, and cross sections of so cats. Hard. Yeah, whatever they needed for the the books, I had to draw it, and then you know you learn a lot yeah. a lot of different um, approaches very quickly. But then once you learn it all, you're drawing another cross section of a cat, you know, or <laughs> or yeah, it's it's just it gets very mundane very quickly. And I mm-hmm. I stayed at it for 23 years, so oh wow, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm borderline crazy. Yeah, I mean it. The uh, the glass, the doing the scientific glass store was at, was kind of cool, but yeah, it runs its course. But it was all drawn to scale, mm-hmm. and then you would do these drawings, and and scientists would say, you know, like we need a beaker shape like this with something that can drip into this, and you would draw these really insane like apparatuses, and then the glass blowers were like right next door. Then they'd make it. Um, and that was its like own art and craft to itself. So it's kind of, it was a really cool little place to be in. Um, but yeah, it got, it got boring. I mean, you know, being a teenager and wanting to draw comics. <laughs> right. And I don't even know if I was very good at it too. Mm-hmm. So I, I, uh, I was thinking back the, I think the first book I remember reading with you in it was the, uh, ecstatics dead girl stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was my first. Paid gig. In okay, yeah, and then I was going to say because then I looked at Comic Book DB just to verify. Oh no, X Force. Okay, okay, yeah, no, X Dead Girl came later. So X Force number. Well, I don't know. I forget the number, but yeah. it was after Allred did the um, Princess Diana story, right? And then he Marvel was told they couldn't do it. He had to kind of go back in and redraw a lot of the pages or the Princess Diana figures, <laughs> and he needed a break. And um, so I was living in uh, – I graduated SCAD. So, I mean, this is a – I mean, if anyone's interested in getting in the comics, this was – I was 28 when I got my first job. So I graduated mm-hmm. art school at, I think, 22. Okay. I started school a little late, 22, 23. And, um, you know, and then I, I lived in Savannah, but they would have what was called editor's days where they would fly editors from Marvel and DC to the school to look at portfolios. Oh, cool. Yeah. So at the time I was working out of the Island Off studio, which I don't know if you guys know who Lee Lowridge is, but he's a comic book oh, colorist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he started a coloring studio out of Savannah where he gave a whole slew of people, uh, work like, 
Matt Wilson, um, John Proctor, Jason Marsloff, like all these guys are kind of artists in their respective fields. But you sure. know Matt Wilson, the colorist. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, he's probably like the biggest name to come out of the studio. Um, I work. Well, Lee's there. a badass himself. I mean, he's yeah. yeah I mean, Lee's been doing it forever. Uh, so it's really cool. Like you could you could go to SCAD and then intern there, and then if you were lucky, you know, get a job there. Um, and I worked there for probably eight years. And then I, I hit a point where I was like, this is not what I got into comics for. Meaning coloring. Um, coloring. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, separation. So back oh, you're then, doing separation? You would, okay. You would, yeah, this was before kind of the colorists did everything on the computer themselves. Colors were still doing black and white guides with uh, markers, dyes, or watercolors. And then we would translate those guides into Photoshop. So this is like really early Photoshop. Mm-hmm. And we were doing, I mean, at, at certain points, we were doing like 20 titles a month. Like there was a whole team of us just cranking books out. And we were making a good living, especially living in Savannah. Like it's uh, the cost of living there is super cheap. Um, so it was, it was nice. And at the same time, I was not ready. Like when I graduated college, there was no way I was ready to work professionally. And I knew that. Um, so you mean from a, a maturity standpoint or, or you mean you didn't think your work was up to snuff? What, what do you mean? All of it. All of, all it. of it. Yeah. It's so demanding. And there's, I feel like those talents that come out that can do it are just rare. I mean, I, I know I, I mean, I just, there's no way I couldn't do, I mean, have the confidence to draw. I just, I think mostly probably just was not good enough. Uh, so you know, I just would practice my comics and then work on um, some submission pages here and again. But I kind of lost focus of that in my 20s. You know, it just became about having fun and just kind of doing this coloring gig during the day. It was real mm-hmm. easy life. You know, we maybe worked six hours a day at the most um, and just kind of hanging out and stuff. But, at the, you know, I had the SCAD. So SCAD, like Savannah kind of is SCAD it's this kind of college community and the college is an art school. So it's, it's a really cool little scene. Um, and you know, you could have figure drawing going on whenever you needed it, or you could, you had these editors days or just some, there was always something to do related to the arts. And it was a cool little place to grow up. Lots of music and stuff like that. So, so yeah, then they had an editor's day. They brought Axel Alonzo down, Bob Shrek, um, and me, you know, someone else, I think. And uh, I met Axel and Bob, and Axel right there gave me a job on the spot. And he was like, "Bad news is the book I was going to give you just got canceled, but the good news is I'm going to I'm giving you a job, and we're just going to have to wait." And then I would say, like maybe you know, six months or a year went by, and I was constant. He would say, like, you know, do some send me some pages of this character, or let me hook you up with this guy and see what you guys come up with. Like back then, Marvel was super loose. Like it was new Marvel, and they were kind of remember they like reintroduced the Epic line. And, oh sure, yeah. Um, yeah, they were just doing a lot of different experimental things. And um, and then I just happened to contact him on a whim, and he was like, "Hey, I need a guy to do an issue of Ecstatics, um, which was X Force, and it became Ecstatics." Oh yeah, we're all and big fans like, of that book, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I'd love to do that. And then I got that job, and then um, it was terrible. I mean, it was the storytelling was all right, 
And I think my, I did my job in telling the story, but if you go look at my issue, holy shit, the inks are, <laughs> the finishing is so bad. It's awful. It's embarrassing. Uh, well, you just unearthed and sold a bunch of your early Marvel stuff uh, through Felix, because I know because I took Gander and all well, of Well, so. that, yeah, well, that's, uh, that's the dead, so that's Dead Girl, which you had mentioned. Yeah, that's, so the, then, that's, what I, that's when I first remember you. That That's the first time yeah, I remember you. Yeah, and that, yeah. that stuff's nice, because... Mike Allred finished it. Right. You know? right. So it's got that Allred polish, it which does. is, I mean, second to none. He's amazing. Uh, so that's what's pretty cool. Then then I went and did two issues of Losers at Vertigo. Right. You know, I had to follow Jock. That didn't go well either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but basically, back then, I had a really weird process. Like, I didn't... Um, I don't know. I would just do whatever I could do to just get it done. And I like to edit the stuff. So I would, I would, um, I draw the pages, scan them in, bring them into Photoshop, move panels around or blow things up, then print it back out on a printer on like regular copy paper, 11 by 17. And then I'd ink that. And then if I didn't like it, I'd just tear it up and start over. Like I had no. I mean, there was a guy asking me, he said, are you selling your loser's art? And I was like, just give me your address. I'll mail, I'll mail it to you. Like I had no, <laughs> I didn't value the, the art or the original art at all. Um, and I just didn't really have a concept of that. And then um, I remember then I got, it went, it was a while since I got another job after I went and did the Marvel book. And then I did the two issue of the losers. Cause I think the editors were like, yeah, you know, this guy, if you give him time, he's he's okay. But if he, he's got to get the monthly done, man, it's kind of hacky and rushed. And the ink, I would say it's my finishes, like my inks were awful. Um, and then uh, I didn't get, like, offered more work for, like, a year. And then Axel offered me the Ecstatics Presents Dead Girl, you know, with the stipulation that Mike gets to finish it. And I was like, like oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then that was it. I pretty much have been working steadily since. Right. Um, um, yeah. So, you know, I think, needless to say, um, probably a, a very pivotal thing for you personally and professionally was was leaving uh, the comfy confines of Marvel to go to East of West, I guess, what, four years ago now? How many years ago was it now? Yeah, we launched it in 2013. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it's. Yeah, so, four years. Yeah, yeah you, I mean, you guys were part of the, you know, that, that, I mean, Image has been on a roll ever since, but you guys were part of that, that first sort of salvo, you know, you had the, the Robert Kirkman manifesto, if you would. And then, I feel like there was a, a there was a, a period of time in between that video getting discussed ad nauseum by everybody in the industry. And then, it seems like maybe a year later, a crew of creators started to take heed of that and the financial opportunity. And there was a deluge of amazing creators coming up with, with, with fantastic books, East of West being one of them. So now I know you were working or you had worked with Jonathan uh, at Marvel on FF and fantastic four. So I presume that's how you guys first got to know each other, but um, you know, you've been very open uh, both to me personally at, at cons, but also I think you've, you've gone on record in other interviews talking about where you were in your career and at almost at a point of, of, of real frustration, work for hire and 
So maybe just just talk about that path because I, I still think that even after all of these years of success uh, at Image in particular, there are just a ton of creators that we know personally that are just so afraid of making that leap. Um, Who are they? Let's name names. No, no. <laughs> can't do that. But but they, you know you have to know there's friends out there. You have friends, I'm sure, that are the same. But uh, yeah, I mean it's it's so my recollection of the history is I was yeah I was I was um, let's see yeah of course there's Robert Kirkman Walking Dead and then I think Saga hit. Um, and then, you know, Jonathan was doing Manhattan projects with Patara. Right. And for me, it was, there's a few people that are pretty pivotal. Um, one, well, yeah, I mean, Mike Allred, Joe Casey, um, and Jonathan Hickman. And then I would add Robert Kirkman. Like I didn't know Robert. I knew, I knew Jonathan, I knew Mike and I knew Joe Casey. I didn't know Robert, and I would add, I didn't know Ed Brubaker or Eric Stevenson at the time. Um, but I remember Ed Brubaker giving an interview where he had left Captain America, and he was doing his books at Image. Um, what, what book was it back then at Image? The, it had the to be Crime Criminal. Noir. Criminal, right? Yeah, it must have been Criminal. And he was just saying how, you know, like he, you know, I think the Captain America movie had come out and, you know, he had sold a lot of copies of Captain America, did the whole Death of Cap story and all that stuff, but, or the Bucky story, you know, like really critically sure. acclaimed, really good comics. And he was just saying how fulfilling it was to just do criminal. And even though he's selling a fraction of what he was selling at Marvel, he's still making more money. And I think he even like was given the numbers. He was like, you know, I'm making, uh, he's like, I, I was selling, like, I think at the time they're selling 28,000 copies of criminal a month or something. And he was like, you know, creators don't know how much money that is that goes into your pocket when you own it. And that, I think that was an interview at the comics reporter. And that really stuck with me. Like, I'm like, wow, that's like, you know, and then Joe Casey, who had success with his man of action group, where these guys are kind of like, you know, writers for hire and they'll do cartoons or they'll do original works. Um, you know, I can't think of, but they did the, you know, they did Ben 10 and then they yeah, have the, man the of other action. one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and those guys have done a lot of great work. All right, bud. <laughs> Sorry about this. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so then, Joe, I was like, Joe, how do you make a living at comics? Because at this point, um, I'm married, we're, st we're talking about having children, and I think, yeah, at this point, I'm pretty sure we had a baby on the way. And I was like, me and Joe were doing Vengeance at Marvel. And I said, Joe, how do you, like, how do you grow old in this business? Because this isn't working. I mean, at the time, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. At Marvel, I was, I feel like I was putting in 60 hours a week. Like, my life was just trying to get my comics done. Not even doing the best work I can, just like barely hanging on with deadlines. Um, and I still had felt like I never really got a lot of 
regular work. Like I would do, I would jump from like mini series to mini series and I never knew what was next. So there was no job security. Um, and then like a lot of other guys were getting um, exclusives and, and I was just like, you know, would I, would you want that? You know, you would hear good things about it, bad things about it. Um, now, you know, so I spent like close to a decade at Marvel and I never received a raise. Um, so, really? I, so I was same working page on rate, same, same page rate since ecstatics. Wow. And okay. I had worked my way up to working on fantastic four with Hickman, you know, arguably their top writer at the time. Um, you know, and I'm like, if I'm good enough to follow Steve Epting, you know, I'm good enough to get a better rate than what I started with. Like, almost a decade ago. Um, and at, at the time, you know, Marvel was cutting back. Like I remember there were like a lot of editors that had left or assistant editors. Um, and there were like, I think there might've been layoffs happening. So they, they're just, they always seem to be cost cutting and, you know, just trying to save a, a dime and they weren't upping rates. And, you know, you would just get told basically what, you know, Marvel was just in the news for saying, you know, artists don't move the needle. And blah, blah, blah. You you know, you get, and which is, you know, that's the truth of the matter. Like, you know, Axel, in a sense, is being honest. um, But they do bear some of that responsibility, you know, if not more. Uh, But, like, at the same time, you know, like, back then they would say, yeah, you know, Nick, if you want to raise, you got to put asses in seats, man. You got to be one of those guys that sell books, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Uh, And it's just kind of like, yeah, well, I don't know if I'll ever be one of those guys, but... Uh, so then it was easy for me to leave. And then Hickman at the time was doing Manhattan Project. And that was selling, I, that was selling like just over 20,000 copies a month. Um, and it's kind of easy to do the image math. I mean, you know, if you're selling 20,000 co- copies, you're getting around a buck a book. The creators are, you know, less or more, you know, probably more depending on what the price point is on the, the book. And uh, you're splitting that. So that's a hell of a lot more than I was making at Marvel. And I was, me and Jonathan started talking, you know, and we were hoping to at least do that. You know, it's like, man, can we at least do 20,000? If we do, that's a, that's a nice paycheck. You know, then we're making what? $10,000 a month each, you know, as opposed to the five and change I was making at Marvel. Um, so that was the hope. And then, yeah, I, you know, we started developing East to West and, uh, it, that's to first say nothing of sold, the trades, right? I mean, the trades is where I would assume it gets well, really trade interesting. Trade is a guys. whole different beast, but you know, back then the trades weren't only Kirkman had, or Ed probably had experienced what trade sales were doing because even I would say Saga's tr- first trade wasn't even out yet. Um, so it was, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the, maybe Saga's first trade was out, but I didn't, I didn't really know about trade sales yet. I was just like focused on the monthly. Um, but I was, you know, I was, I was at least wise enough as a creator to know I'm not doing this unless Jonathan gives me 50%. Like I'm not going into this as a 49% owner. Like I'm going at 50% and I'm seeing all the accounting and all the paperwork. Um, and that is, I mean, that's everything like every creator 
should go and experience image just for the education you get as to what a comic book costs, how it's distributed, and where the money goes. And that, I mean, even if your book's not successful, just to receive those accounting statements, it's worth it. Because then, you know, then you can go work at a Marvel or DC and know when you, you know what a book sells and say, all right, yeah, it makes sense. I make this much as my rate because they have so much overhead and you don't own it. You know what I'm saying? But say if a book comes out and sells, you know, hundreds of thousands of copies, you, you can do the math and be like, holy shit. I'm only making six grand, you know, for this <laughs> month when this book made, you know, quarter million dollars, or whatever. So, um, but that's, you know, like you said, you know, creators that are questioning what they should do, you should do it just to go get the experience. Um, right. And I, I find too that there's, you know, everyone, I think a lot of, you know, at the time I was like, I felt very loyal to Marvel because Axel gave me my first job. Sure. Uh, I feel like, you know, Tom Brevoort was always really nice to me. Lawrence Sankovic, Warren Simons, uh, Mark Panicia, like all the others I had there were amazing. And there was never any like, draw this, don't do that. Like it was very creative. It was like, it was a great place. The The difficult thing was just living on that page rate try, and, and basically going into starting a family, paying your own health care. At the time, this was before Obamacare, and fuck, man, my health care bill was behind my rent. Like, it was this my second biggest payment behind my rent. It was more oh, than no a car. And, yeah, and so it was and insane. A, and an unfortunately timely point to bring up, all things considered, today. Yeah, I so. mean, like, it's it was just, I mean, it's, it was, so it was like, these were the decisions. Like, that was the reality I was facing. Um, and then, yeah, so we, you know, I was like, let's do it. Uh, I took another job in the Bay. I was working at a place called Other Lab, going back to doing like technical drawings. And I was working on the Haltunes project too. Sure. Um, so like, it's like, there's a think tank in San Francisco that I was doing kind of like jobs for, and they would come up with these kind of, uh, engineering inventions and I would do sketches for them and stuff for their presentations. So like I was put on a salary to do that, and then in the meantime I was I was doing east to west with Jonathan. Um, oh, I didn't realize that you took yeah. you took on another job. That's that's interesting. That must have been quite the workload. Yeah, it was. But I mean, I was kind of lucky. Like, um, you know, like I it, I got to work from home, and you know, there were definitely some days I probably did more east to west than what I should have been doing. Um, but the person that uh, that I was working for is like a really close friend and, you know, kind of considered just really did me a solid. And then, you know, we got healthcare through that too. So it was like a real lifesaver. Um, and then afforded me the time to do East to West. Yeah. I mean, I would, man, back then I don't do it. And I'm 42 now. I don't, I kind of refuse. Oh, to we're, we're the same age. We're, <laughs> we're the same age. Yeah, like I can't, I don't know, I just can't function anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. But back then, man, I would, like, you know, like I was saying earlier, you just have that love. I was like, I will do this job, get my duties done on this, and then I'll draw east to west until I get this page done a day. Um, yeah, and then, you know, east to west came out, 
sold 48,000 in its first printing and then, you know, went on to multiple printings and ended up selling 78,000 copies on that first issue. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's like you go from, you know what I'm saying? You go from like, man, I'm drawing Fantastic Four and FF and I'm, I'm at the top of Marvel. And, but it's like, I can't afford to pay the stuff I need to, to, you know, support my family and whatnot. Right. Um, to then, yeah, like taking a chance with image and it just being wildly successful. And then like you had mentioned the trades and then that's where the real money is. And then those are kind of like evergreen. Like I, I don't know how long the trades will sell for, um, you know, but you can imagine, you know, hopefully we'll announce a show or something. And I doubt that will ever happen, but then that, you know, sparks more interest and is like, oh, let me check out this book. And, you know, so, yeah, I don't know. It's powerful yeah, it's stuff. I, I can't complain. Yeah, I would say that um, I was listening to an interview with uh, McFarlane not too long ago, and he was making the point that it's always mystified him the difficulty they've had getting people to make the leap and that that's largely gone away in the last few years where they're at the point now where lots of people want to do image work and they, if anything, have to curate it and say no to some, to some degree. But, but that what's funny to him is that the business model and the economic opportunity of image has never changed from the day they started. It's always been that way, but for a good chunk of years, 15 or so years, image was in this miasma where nobody, no creators saw it for what it was or were willing to take the risk. And the, I think the interesting dichotomy between your story per se and, and Hickman's is that um, a writer can have his foot in both doors, right? A writer yeah. can, can write a book and many do, right? I mean, J- Jason Aaron does that now and Jonathan did it for a while and, um, you can you can write a book at a big two, and you can write books on your own. Whereas for an artist, and unless you're otherworldly and superhuman, you're essentially committing one or the other because you you realistically can only draw one book at a time. And so I do understand that it feels like a leap, but it just seems to me that that I think the misnomer is these guys feel as though if they leave Marvel or leave DC, they're going to burn bridges. And then if their image book doesn't sell, what are they going to do then? And I always say to your point, and you just made that point. If, if there weren't, if they're barely making a living at the big two now and they're talented, they're going to be able to go back. Right. It's not, I mean, oh, I, I think, well, I mean, I would be blackballed. argue that when you, when you do your own original work, you really have an opportunity to find yourself as an artist. Mm-hmm. Like what East to West really is, is me and Jonathan just doing what we want, like making the work easy. Like I'm like, I don't, it, I don't have to draw New York City anymore. I don't have mm-hmm. to, you know, draw every architectural detail to like build a believable reality to for you to get into this comic. I can do whatever I want. I can design characters how I want. So, you know, you know, they read easily and they're easy to draw for me. Um, Like you, you know, people might look at East to West and think, Oh, that's got a lot going on. But like, this is the easiest version of a comic book for me to do and enjoy it. 
Um, and then in a sense, like you find, I found like more of myself doing this than like say doing, you know, the fantastic four, which I just wanted to serve like that classic Marvel and Jack Kirby and Buscema, uh, you know, kind of melodrama in my storytelling. And I, you know, with East to West, it made me kind of flex different muscles and definitely find myself as an artist. So I can, you know, I still don't even know what that is, but it's radically different than what I was doing at Marvel. And then I find too that they want Marvel and DC wants you more. Like I get more offers, better offers than I ever did than if I was just the guy poking around at Marvel. And, you know, I would argue back then too, I was like known as the silver age guy, you know, like I was like, Oh yeah, go to Nick Trigata if you want the old school stuff. And those aren't like the good jobs, you know? Um, Yeah, like I was, uh, I would say like, you know, I was like a second rate Mike Allred because like Mike was finishing a lot of the stuff and everyone, you know, you'd read whatever review I'd read. like, Nick Tergott is trying to draw like Mike. I'm like, no, I'm not. Mike finishes <laughs> it. It's kind of like, you know, like it, Mike's, Mike's doing his thing on it. And um, so it wasn't, and then with uh, Fantastic Four and FF, I got to, I started inking my own stuff. Um, with Venge, it was Vengeance. And there was a, a Captain America, Forever Allies. So, like, I started inking my own stuff. and um, But I'm still very be- beholden to, like, Kirby. Like, I don't know. I just felt like, ah, serve the king, you know? Like, have that feel in your book. Um, so, and then, yeah, you know, so in fairness to Marvel, they were like, this is what this guy does well. So give him this stuff. Like I remember after FF, I was offered, um, uh, like the retelling of Reed and Sue's wedding. And they were, remember like they were doing these Disney store hardcovers. Um, they were like going direct to the Disney stores. Oh, they were like okay. really nice mm-hmm. hardcovers. Um, and they were like retelling of origin stories. I was mm-hmm. going to do one of those, but about Reed and Sue's wedding. Um, you know, I don't think that would have done much for my career or got me <laughs> <laughs> the next great book. You know, so I think like you can kind of go down these paths at Marvel where you're not really doing what you want or finding yourself or should be doing. And you're just kind of chasing the next job and taking the next job. And it might not suit like your skill set or be the right book for you. You know, you're letting someone else decide that. Um, And, you know, I would argue maybe that's where some of like the unhappiness comes from. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, too, I mean, but like, you know, I can't it's hypocritical of me to be like, you know, don't work at Marvel because I did it. And I would argue that's where I met Jonathan and they did a lot for me um, in terms of my career. Like that Marvel car calling card is a good one, you know, like, so uh, there's all different avenues, but I, you know, what I've learned is you're your own boss in this, you know, they, they want to relegate us to work for hire that that does in a certain sense empower you to take the jobs you want to take. And then also, like I said, do your best to experience image. And it, I know for some creators, it doesn't always work. You know, you can go do an image book and then it doesn't sell, you know, and then you're like, well, that didn't work. But 
I would I would argue you want to have creator and work um, work under your belt. Um, yeah. So. Well, let's let's jump into east of west because uh, when I think of your your style, uh, I look back at, at the FF and the Fantastic Four, and I see a lot, especially in the the characters and whatnot that that I see in east of west. But I don't know. I feel like the the this book. This is this is now when when I think of you and, and your your own personal visual style. I think this is where you've defined yourself. And to me, it seems like there's a lot of of um, manga influence in in your work on East of West as well, uh, not just sort of the American creators. Do I have that right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I was I got I had gotten really bored with um, American comics. And I basically stopped reading them in my 30s. Like, I just, um, I, I always only followed creators. Um, so, like, I'd always, you know, pick up all red stuff. I'm a huge John Romita Jr. fan. Like, he might be my favorite American comic artist. Mike Mignola, of course. You know, Frank Miller. Jeff Darrow. Um you know, all the guys I named, like maybe Mike Arred and Ramita are uh, doing work regularly. Uh, so I like, I always like those guys. And, um, but uh, on a whole, like, you know, it went very realistic um, for a while there, like in the 2000s with the Ultimates and um, like the Brian Hitch and Alex Ross and all that. Sure. Um, and then everyone started drawing very realistically. Uh, and I kind of never really got into that. Um, and then uh, I remember just being like in a bookstore and I see all these kids like in the manga section. And I'm like, man, there's not this excitement about our comics. Like, what are they doing? <laughs> That's so great. And then just opening up the books and learning about it and uh you know, kind of getting a little education um, from David Brothers, who was, you know, writing comics criticism, and he had a blog called The Fourth Letter online, which I'd always kind of check out, and he would recommend books, and whatever he recommended was always, like, a perfect fit for me. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it, you know, but I, I remember as a teenager, I had seen, I had watched some anime, and I'd like that stuff, and then just going, you know what? I never read the Akira manga. Let me go check that out. And then just getting hooked on it. And so it was cool. In my 30s, I kind of rediscovered I comic books, but discovered Japanese comics, if that makes sense. So in my teens, you know, I fell in love with the early image guys. And, um, you know, and then art school discovered Jack Kirby and Alex Toth and devoured a lot of that stuff and then kind of fell out of comics for a bit and then rediscovered, then discovered manga and then just, but like kind of then rediscovered my love for comics and stuff in that. So yeah, I try and inject what I'm reading in that into East to West. Um, so my, my answers are really long and. <laughs> <laughs> Vince is our resident manga fan. He's the uh, one that's always exposing us to the manga. I, I admittedly yeah, I just, um, when I read it, um, you know, like when you read Naoki Urasawa, he did Monster and 20th Century Boys. They're 
and Pluto. I don't know if you guys have read that stuff. Yep. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, there is, it's all about the storytelling and I liken it to like really compelling television. Like you just want, like you want to binge or read it. You know what I'm saying? And they are masters of like the page turn and the characters and the acting. And then you start to learn more about it. And yes, they work in studios, but they produce 20 pages a week and they write and draw it. Like they're basically really focused on like what's important in comics. And that's just being entertaining and telling stories. And then it's also driven like by the imagination. Um, and you know, comics in America are driven by the writer and then the artist is basically getting a script and doing their best to, to follow it. Um, so like with East to West, we even like, we don't, I don't work from full scripts. It's basically just like a, a plot from Jonathan. Like a whole issue is, is a page or two, a document of just, you know, four or six paragraphs breaking down each scene. You know, if we have six scenes in a book, and it'll just be, you know, like, Nick, you got four pages. These two are talking. Uh, you know, Doma is going to storm out of the room, out of the White House room of LaVey. You know, that's all, that's where you need to get me here, Nick. You know, and then, or, hey, Nick, now you got six pages. I'm thinking of a cool, like, shootout between death and these bounty hunters. Uh, kill two of them. Make, make sure one just falls off the side of the cliff because we're going to see him at the end of the issue. You know, it's like stuff like that. So then I sit down and lay it out and just start drawing it. And I send it back. And then I really can do whatever I want as long as I'm getting us from point A to point B. Um, and I'd be lying if I didn't, if I said that I didn't like open up Urasawa's book and say I'm studying like his panel progressions and how he gets to, you know, that splash, that ta-da moment and try and transfer that into my own work. Um, so yeah, it's a huge influence on, uh, what I'm doing. Cause I'm, I, I want to make comics that read like that, that feel that entertaining. Um, so yeah, we, we make the process more organic where I can inject where me as the artist can dictate the storytelling. So Jonathan's dictating the plot and I'm dictating the storytelling, you know, from point A to point B, if that makes sense. It uh, So if, if I don't know how, rigid or, or strict Jonathan may be if if you if, if you're drawing it and and he he says okay so yeah so Doma's gonna do this and maybe he's picturing you doing that in in six panels on one page but if you draw it out over the course of, are do you are you beholden to say okay listen you you wrote this to, for this one issue but I think some of these scenes might spill into the next do you have a lot of is there is there give and take in your relationship? Yeah, well, I would never I would never say, hey, let's spill this in the next issue. Like, I don't want to even think beyond. You're not so trying like, to write the just, story. Um, no, but I would say we're. I mean, I def, he'll definitely be like, what do you what do you think about this? And I'll say, oh, I think we should do this. And I think we're we're good partners because our instincts always lie in the same direction. Like, I don't think we've ever disagreed, like, you can't do that to that character. There's no way. Um, and at the end of the day, I would um, defer to him. 
because he's, you know, he's the one that studied writing and I studied art. Um, and I, I trust him on how, you know, you know, what the different acts are or what, what the important points that need to happen in these different acts are. Um, like, I'm not going to argue that, you know, cause I don't know anything about it. Like that's a whole, that's a craft unto itself. Um, but where I will argue is say if, and this goes, but we, we never, I would, I should also say we never argue. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, getting back to your point, if I'm like, you know, Jonathan, I think this, I might say this action scene could be eight pages instead of four. And then that's the beauty of image and that, you know, at base, you got to do 20 pages, but your pamphlet is 32 pages. So I have an extra, you know, and that includes front and um, uh, interior and exterior cover. So mm. minus four, you have 28 pages. So I have eight extra pages of real estate that I can play with and do what I want with. Normally, we stick to 20 because we're always on a deadline. But the last issue, I believe, is 22. And, um, you know, I ended it where he asked. And we looked at it and you're we like, you know what? It just needs one extra page. Let's really milk this death. Like, let's, uh, you know, and he was like, oh, yeah, perfect. Let's, you know, and then and then when you're when you when you're into comics like on that, it's not you never look at it like, man, I got to do another page. <laughs> you know, it's never like it's it's beyond it goes beyond a job and it just goes beyond the, like just doing what's best for the story. And I don't know if East to West reads that way, um, but I'm trying to make the storytelling like flow easily. Because I think Jonathan's got that cryptic writing, um, and I like to like juxtapose just like really simple kind of ABC storytelling within that, and not be too um, like vague in the storytelling or make readers be like, "What the fuck happened here?" Or, you know, leave it leave it up to them to fill in the the, the blanks, I guess. Well, I, I think one of your strengths, frankly, and I had it in here my notes is is uh, is is the pacing. Um, there's something about okay. the book that that's it really it, it's it's well paced, um, and I, I think a lot of there are a lot of great comics out, and I think we often say, oh, comic so and so is reads really well in trade, and um, I, I think often what that means is that uh, there's almost this uh, a pattern to. Uh, scripts now that build the crescendos at these five or six issue intervals. Whereas I think with, with East of West, I mean, every issue is, uh, in and of itself, just there, there are beats, there's, there are, you know, smaller beats, larger beats, but there are just different beats at different points. And, um, I feel like the visuals are really what accelerate our heartbeat, if you will. You bring us to the points of crescendo visually. And so I really appreciate that. But it sounds to me like you're really working, I guess, what we would call, ironically enough, the Marvel method, right? So, so he's he's giving you big beats, trusting you to to put what's put put the visuals together, and then he's going back in and scripting on top of that, right, or dialoguing on top of that, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he and it's you know, like I when I draw it, I'm always kind of making up a dialogue in my head, and then he just takes it and does usually like the complete opposite. And elevates it so much more. <laughs> like, I mean, John, like, no hyperbole. I think Johnson is, he's one of the best. And I think, like, he's, especially his dialogue, like, it always reads, like, kind of harsh. And 
there's a certain truth to it and it's real cynical. Um, mm-hmm. and he just like, it just really fits this world. It's got like a little wry sense of humor in it. Um, yeah, it's just, and it's like, it's just, a, it's a fun book to work on because the teen, you know, it's like, I get a plot from Jonathan and like the last issue, it was tough. I had some kind of medical issue. So this one's super late. It's like a month late, but I, it's, it's done. Um, and it was, this one was hard to do because it was so many different, you know, all the different nations are kind of going to war. So you have to kind of establish all these different armies. Um, and of course I did that like as simply as possible because I just need to get through it. But then, you know, I send my pages out to Frank and he adds a whole nother level of finish like that. I can't even imagine. Like he's just, he's, in my opinion, I can't imagine a better colorist for my work. Mm-hmm. Um, and Frank is a lot of, I, I, you know, I want to give Frank credit where it's due. He's, he's a lot of what you see on the page. Um, and then at the end of the day too, like someone that's always finishing it and pulling it together is Russ in our letter. So it's a, it's, um, it's a really cool, tight little team that I trust any one of these individuals, like, all right, we got to get it done this week. Let's get it done. And then we do, then we're on to the next one and, you know, one more issue. And then that's, that's for our seventh trade, I think. And it's crazy to think like we already have seven trades out. Hmm. Um, and I think and there, uh, there is an end in sight, right? Unfortunately. Yeah, I think it's going to have two more trades. Okay. And then each of those trades are going to be six issues rather than five. So they're going to be a little larger. So mm-hmm. there will be 12. There's like 13 more issues, including the, the next one on the final trade. Um so it'll go into 2018. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be extremely sad to see it go. <laughs> yeah. No, um, it's good. I mean, it's because if we drag it on, eventually you're going to like, I would, I would, you know, a lot of people say our stuff reads better in trade. Um, I think like that, that I think that's true. Cause there's a lot of, there's so many different characters in the book. But I would also argue, too, we're not monthly. Like, we are, but we're not. We're, like, on the image monthly. And at best, we're six. We're every six weeks. And, like, this last issue, it just went off the rails. Um, you know, so it's, I would say, like, when people are like, yeah, I was reading it monthly, and then I went to the trade. I'm like, yeah, it's probably more due to us not keeping it on the shelves as regularly as we can. But. Sure. Well, uh, I was going to say you guys have put the, I, I was joking a couple weeks ago. Uh, I own the digital issues, the single issues, <laughs> yeah. the trades and the hardcovers. So. Oh, wow. Um, Thanks. It's a little ridiculous actually now that I say it out loud, but, uh, well, some things deserve to be triple and quadruple. The, uh, there's, I know Jonathan is, is, Likes to design things, there's, you know, nightly news and, and of course everything he did with, with the Avengers and, um, I, I know he has a, a very certain style when it comes to, to designing things, but as far as the, the characters for East of West, um, is this all you or is this something that, uh, cause you, you were mentioning before, you know, on, on, uh, 
not necessarily shortcuts, but, but, but you could do, you know, whatever you wanted to do. And I think of, of, of a character like Crow and it's pretty much perfect. Um, but it really, you know, aside from the outline, it's just, she's basically just nothing but ink. And, and is that when, when, when you guys came up with, with Crow and Wolf and, and of course the Stark, the, the, the black and white, how, how much of the character design is, is Nick or, or is it, is it really just something that, that you two just both worked on? Uh, we both worked on Wolf, Crow and Death, but the only, um, like the only stipulation from Jonathan was their colors. So he just said, Wolf is all white, white, uh, Crow is black and, um, Death is all white. And then he just, uh, I think he said that they they had that he wanted those raccoon eyes. I, I'm pretty sure. Um, and that was kind of it. And then, like you said, like I'm 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 the one that's drawing these characters every issue. So, like the last thing I'm going to do is burden myself with a lot of work and a lot of detail. So, and I, you know, I come up to believe like you want to everything should read well in silhouette and you should kind of understand who that character is just in silhouette just by a single outline yeah um so yeah i mean like so crow is kind of shorter with wide hips and wolf is kind of hulking and big you know and then death he he said death i remember death he his, in this character description he he likened it to sawyer and lost like he was like, he's gruffy and good looking and he's kind of like that guy. So that was kind of, and that's it. I mean, you know, and then you send it to Jonathan and, um, you know, whether he liked it or not, I'm like, this is what I'm drawing. <laughs> that's I mean, true. I'm, yeah. We're not, you know, and at, at a certain point too, it's like the deadline just becomes the, the deciding factor on everything. Cause it's like, you know, we just got to get moving. It's time to go. And that's like that's another thing too. I should stress that, like all the guys on this team, like really respect that aspect of it. Is just kind of making sure we get the book out and not, you know, because at this point uh, we could just go, eh, you know, we'll do it when we get around to it, or you know, like we just want to make sure the book is out regularly and get through the story. I mean, because I want to draw other things. Um, but going back to the character design. You know, like, um, the ranger, I, that was, that was all me. Like, I was like, Jonathan, I remember the dread, the Judge Dread movie had came out. Um, and I was always like a big fan of the Judge, Judge Dread comics. And I was like, dude, we need like a, a dread type character in this book, like a Punisher type that just kicks ass. And I just drew that design with those big glasses and the connected to his hat. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, then Jonathan's like, cool, I will, I'll figure this guy's story out, you know? And I was like, he'll have this hover bike that, and yeah. he'll have a, he'll have a pet dog that he can wear as a backpack and transform into a sniper rifle. And, um, like that was all me. And that was like our first image. I think we shared when we announced it in New York, but we like, you know, Jonathan, we didn't know his story. That was just like a drawing I had done. Mm-hmm. Um, but it and that's fits. just kind of like, yeah. I mean, and that's like that's probably a real testament to like our creative partnership. Like, it's just like trust. It's like I trust him to figure out the story, and he trusts me to 
tell that story um, any way I see fit and like kind of design the world. And that's what's rad too. He's not a, um, he's very easy to work with. Like I don't, I never get comments like, can you redraw the white tower or I don't think this looks right. You know, he's just like, dude, moving on. You know? Like I, I'm more particular than him. Like, ah, this looks like shit. Like, we can't do this. He's like, Nick, moving on. Stop. Let's go. Keep going. You know? So, uh, it's important. You, uh, you, you talking about the team reminds me of, cause it's not just writer and, and artist. It, it's, it reminds me of the the Hundred Bullets team because it wasn't that that wasn't just Azarello and Riso. You also had Clement Letters and 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 you had Trishon Colors and, and you talking about how this East of West is truly a team. There aren't. I don't often hear the main creators bringing in everybody else who works on the book. I mean, Somni may talk about Matt Wilson from time to time, obviously, but you don't you don't really hear. Yeah, it, it's not. Often you mentioned Russ and, and I, we, we tend not to, unless you're Jonathan, un, un, unless you're John Workman, you don't really hear too many positives about letterers. So, so thank you for that. Yeah. Let, I mean, letterers are like the, the final, like a good letterer is everything. And I mean, Russ Wooten's got to be one of the hardest working men in comics. He's probably responsible <laughs> for more logos than we even like you know then you even know what you're looking at um and then just he's one of those guys where like we're the assholes like me and hickman like we're the ones that if the book is late it's our fault and then we're like russ can we get this book out tomorrow we're ready (laughs) to go you know and then russ is like the guy that fucking finishes it and gets it in um and then deals with us like maybe having change. I, it's you know, it, but also to Jonathan's credit too is he he comes from an ad agency background where he was a designer, and I think he I think he might have owned an ad agency. I'm not sure he ran one. Um, so he he's good on the design too, and he can kind of like just kind of fix the lettering too, uh, which I'm sure like makes Russ's life easier too. So like Russ doesn't have to deal with a bunch of corrections. Right. Right. Um, but Russ is Russ is initially laying all that work down, and usually like a, we're like putting an insane amount of uh, just pressure on him on just the deadline. Um, and I don't think like Russ has ever said no. Like he's just always like, yeah, I'll get it done, and he does. He's he's awesome, and like Frank's the same way. Like I mean, uh, you know, I'm like I'll send Frank ten pages you know, like two weeks out, but then I'll send him the last 10 pages, like a week before it's due or even more. And like, I don't know how Frank does it. And you'll just see all the colors come in like two days before the books do, you know? So, um, yeah, it's just, it's like, it's a lucky, it's a good team. And I'm really thankful for what we have. Like I realize it, you know, like I see a lot of books that fall off or creative teams don't get along or, and I think it all kind of, if you know, you, as a, as an artist, like, you know, to take this conversation full circle, you're saying, you know, a lot of people at the big two that want to jump over or not, they're not sure. Like a really important aspect is one working happy. So like getting, 
getting what you want out of the project. And the, the start of that is your ownership and creating it. So I'm fully invested. Like I might not be so into it if I didn't own as much as Jonathan. Right, right. You know, like if he had more or say he was, you know, taking offers about different media opportunities or the only one that saw the accounting you know, even though he might not be ripping me off, I would probably be like, you know, you read about the history of our industry mm-hmm. and you would just naturally assume, like, you know, you'd just be like, well, what's our book making? I don't know. You know, you just never, <laughs> sure, you, sure. you just come up like that. Like everyone's bitter. We all these chip on our shoulders and um, you don't want to work like that. And, you know, we as creators have that control to call our own shots basically and get what we want out of this. Um, you know, I mean, you gotta, you, you put your time in though and you, you eat shit for a bit. And then at some point you just gotta go, I've got to do my own thing. So. Yeah. So much to my chagrin, uh, but I think it serves you well, you work digitally. So, mm-hmm. um, when did you make that transition and, and why, why have you fallen in love with the digital process? I feel like, cause I love the editing capabilities. So, like, I like to, it's one, it's a lot faster for me. So mm-hmm. I basically go from layouts to finishes and, like, really loose layouts. And then if you don't, it just gives you, it, so I found that, like, working traditionally, I was I was always, like, a real, like, a tracing paper guy. I would do a lot of different drawings on tracing paper and then kind of put it together and then I'd scan that in, bring it in the Photoshop, print it out blue line, or uh, print it out actually black, then light box it onto a board. Because I had this terrible process. Light box it onto a board and then ink it. Um, and then I, I found that I was bringing my inks into Photoshop, like when I would clean it up. And I was kind of redrawing a lot of stuff. And then I was just like, why not just do it digitally? Just try drawing it digitally. Um, and then that was that was pretty much the beginning. And then when Manga Studio, I discovered Manga Studio, which is a drawing program, uh, I was like, man, this this thing feels right. Like it was qu- like Photoshop always felt a little slower to me in terms of like making a mark and then having it be like put down. You know, nothing beats drawing on paper, but in my process, when I'm, you know, when you're doing all the scanning, the printing, the light boxing, it just was too much. And I didn't, because I, I never had the confidence to just go straight to the board. Mm. Um, and like now I, you know, I do like, I mean, I do that with the commissions um, where I might lay them out on the computer and then print out a blue line and ink that, um, which is way faster too. So I think like my, after East to West, I want to write and draw. Uh, like a a mini series, so I, I'll probably do that on paper just to have it. Nice, nice. I completely agree with you on Manga Studio. It's yeah, it's, it's awesome. much more responsive than Photoshop, and it has this uncanny ability to make your lines better than you thought they were as you were laying them down. Yeah, it's well. I mean, I turn off a lot of the. So you have those tools where you can like. You know, you can have your line end on a point, so mm-hmm. it gives you, like, that brushy effect. I turn all that stuff off, 
And I try and treat it like just the basic tools. Like I try not to use any of the special brushes, brushes like the cross hatching. Right, brush. right. Because um, I, I, you can look at books and go, oh, that's obviously exactly difficult. like they're yeah. going a little too far into. It. And there are issues of East to West where it's like it's drawn digitally, it's colored digitally, it's lettered digitally, and I'm just I look at it and I'm like, oh man, we got to rough this up a bit. It's just too like <laughs> slick. It just doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't feel as organic as I want. Um, so it's just, it's, you know, there's a balance there. But I, I, I think paper is superior. But for me, if I have to draw a monthly and I'm trying to get this book out, and then I, like I said, I love the editing capabilities. Like, I love the fact that I can move panels and blow things up or shrink them down. Or if I notice I've drawn a figure like, you know, in a perspective grid that just seems off by a, a few centimeters and I want to move them up, I can, um, and not lose any line quality. Like, it's just the editing capabilities are awesome. Yep. You know, and also, too, like, it's if you look at my work from when I went digital, from traditional to digital, uh, it's just, I don't know, it's, I've gotten a lot more confident because you can just lay down blacks, and if you don't like it, you can undo it. Um stuff like that it's just it's just another tool that's that's the way i see it and it right. makes me a lot faster so well yeah i mean I, I i think it's if it makes your work better and, you, and it helps you get make deadlines and all all the better but uh but uh certainly we art collectors would love a future <laughs> well yeah i mean i i collect art too and i know i know i yeah. want to have more of my own art so i think like i want to i definitely want to because uh, Felix is, you know, Felix has been talking to me a lot. Like, you gotta, you should just do a book on paper. Just do a whole book. I'm sure. He uh, is. <laughs> and I, yeah. Well, uh, he did you see that Batman uh, mech commission I did? He like yes. he was like, you got to do a whole book that is like this quality on paper. Uh, and I was just kind of like, yeah, that would be fun. But like, you know, really just take my time on it, disappear, like just do like a 36 page one shot and just really try and make each page like really nice. Um, I would love to do that, but like, I can't do that, you know, on the monthly, like I'm, I'm no Mateo Scalera, like who just bangs out originals that look amazing (laughs) and they look at, and he's doing washes. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. just like, he's just. Dude, that dude's got more talent in his big toe than I got my oh, whole no, body. No, so no, no. <laughs> he's he's amazing. I mean, like he's probably one of my favorite modern guys. But like just guys that are doing it monthly and producing original art. Um. So. Yeah, a guy that uh, I mean, his style isn't. I don't like his style to you directly, but I but he's another fave that's uh is Wes Craig and I, I think he's it's amazing how fast he is I think because I think he makes really brilliant uh layout choices but I think where I where I bring him up with you is that I I think you both have this um this economy of line you know which I know like David David's often talking about you know Chris Somney being one of his favorites and it's the same thing there like it's it, it sometimes it it the, the best art the art that that resonates with you is the art that you really were to dissect it doesn't have all that many lines on the page, right? And uh, I think that's certainly a skill you possess, and I think Wes is very good at that as well. Uh, that's uh, good company. I would I would say that maybe like what we maybe what we're all more focused on is the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. So and then um, like I think too, like if 
we we kind of feel like we want our reads to be immediate and not to be like kind of picked over with the detail or slowed down um, and just, you know, just serve the story. Um, uh, yeah, that's good company. I'll take that. Uh, but, you know, I don't, have you seen the Marvel covers artist edition? Yes. There's two of them. I have the, yeah, I have them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, dude, when I look at that stuff, I'm like, God, I want to, I want to try doing this. Like when those guys were just putting everything into a page, you know, like there's just so much noodling and detail and um, just the sense of gray they were creating, like with just black ink. Uh, you know, that stuff gets me jazzed too. So Sure, but like you Did, said... You said he's... there's two of them? Oh, I guess I, I'm talking about the modern era one. I guess they have an older one. Yeah, they they put out the modern era one, which had that the Art Adams stuff and the Liefeld stuff. Yeah, and yeah, the stuff. And then yeah. they, they put out a second one, yeah, which is classic stuff. Okay, cool. So. Yeah, I mean, the stuff is amazing. Like the Scott Williams inks. I mean, these are like these are the comics I came up on. Sam Key stuff. It's just mm-hmm. yeah, it's so rad. Do you have time? I mean, do you, do you read other stuff now? Do you have time to do that? Or uh, not real. I haven't been. Let's see. I love the new um, Shaolin Cowboy. Mm-hmm. I just read. Um. Oh, I like Extremity. Daniel Warren Johnson. Oh yeah. There we go. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm still, like, I, I reread a lot of the manga I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I've been rereading Monster. Nice. Um, that's about it. And, you know, I'm kind of actually reading a lot of books on writing. Um, just trying to sharpen up, trying to figure out how I would write a book if I was. So you think that's the next next stage of your journey once you guys wrap up? Yeah, West, right? I mean, I'd like to. Yeah, for sure. Like, mm-hmm. see what you know, see what I got. See if I can deliver an entertaining book. And then I think uh, there's another idea we've been kicking around a few other artists of maybe just getting together and like jamming on something. Nice. Um, that we would all kind of write and finish together. That's um, great. Yeah. I would be yeah. remiss. I know we're getting uh, we're getting long here. We don't want to keep you, but I, I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up Howtoons because, as a father of three young boys, I can say that they are big fans of the Howtoons. So, um, and that's been something that uh, you've been you and your I think your wife is is the she's yeah that's so my wife and uh, the my co creator is Saul Griffith, and then my wife mm-hmm. Ingrid. Uh, we do that together, and that's actually uh, evolved into a kit subscription service. Yeah, I was going to so, ask, so when did that happen? Because I, I noticed uh, this week that it's now a, a monthly subscription type of thing, and I, I didn't know when that transition happened. Uh, that happened um, early last year, or okay. was it? Yeah, so it's, it's been going on for some time. I think it actually just, it just launched this past year, and okay. um, so we're it's it's like kind of just a little endeavor that we're experimenting with to see um, if it can work. Because so we were doing we I don't know for those that don't know how teens is an educational kid comic that teaches kids or people how to make things using everyday household goods. Um, and then we found that you know we would do these comics and show you how to say um, 
you know, pull out a chapstick canister, a CD, and, you know, you can print an Edward Mybridge stop-motion photography strip and make your own zoetrope. So we'd show you how to make these little science experiments or toys. And then we found that, like, parents would say, well, can we just buy this stuff? Do we have to, <laughs> you know, go find it? Um, and then so we were, we kind of got that request so much that my wife started making little kits, like the marshmallow shooter. She would pre-cut the PVC pipe put it in a bag, you know, put the comp, fold up the comic for you in that and mail it out. And then she started then doing gummy bots for these um, little origami robots. Um, and then we just went from there and turned it into a, a kit subscription company. So where we mail you a project and a comic and it's been a, a learning process to say the least, you know, so, um, so it's constantly evolving. Um, but yeah, you know, howtoons.com, if anyone's interested in checking it out and subscribing, we'll, we'll mail you a cool little project each month and then you get a little original comic to go along with it. Um, yeah, and the, I think the last volume you had, uh, you had, you had another buddy of ours, Tom Fowler involved, right? Well, Tom did, he did a mini series with Howtoons called Reignition yeah. with, um, Fred Van Lente, mm-hmm. Jordi Belair, and Russ lettered it. And, um, yeah, they did a rad little comic was like, that was our first time we, um, did a larger, like that was a five issue story that Fred wrote and it all dealt with energy literacy. Um, and like, that was like our biggest story to date and, and for like a little older. So we were kind of experimenting to see if, uh, older readers would be interested. And it's an awesome book. I love what they did with it. And, you know, it didn't, it didn't do well in the direct market and, you know, just like any other comic, it, it's here and then it's gone. Um, but I, I recommend anyone look that up if they have kids and they're interested in like introducing them into energy literacy and things like that. It's, it's yeah. Fred and sure. Tom and Jordy and Russ killed it. Um, and yeah, now it's like, now we're working with on the kits. We're working with Jeff Parker and Jesse Ham. And we just had Christina Villa Nueva uh, write and draw a story for us. So there's some freelancers coming in. And then I probably draw a bulk of the stuff, too, on top of East to West. Um, so they're just like little short stories. Um, and then, yeah, the magazine contains the instructions and a little bit of the science behind the project. So, yeah. yeah that's awesome stuff. And then, oh, I should mention um, the other thing I'm a part of is Creators for Creators, uh, the comic book grant. I, mean, I don't know if you guys have heard of that. Yeah, it's that uh, you, you, a bunch of you put up what is I think thirty thousand dollars, right, for a, uh, a to to fund a, a creator or a, or a team of creators to to yeah, uh, make their yeah. own work, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be announcing soon the next one for 2018. And, um, yeah, how has so it gone so far? I, last I heard you guys were taking applications, but I, I guess I, I admittedly haven't, uh, oh, well, kept up as to who won. Uh, I mean, and... the 2017, the first recipient is a, is a writer artist named M. Dean, and she's fantastic. And uh, she's going to, she's doing a book called I Am Young. Um, and she, She's amazing. Like when you can go to creators for creators.org and you can kind of see her intro interview 
and get acclimated with some of her work that she's doing. Um, and yeah, so she's the recipient of the first award. And so she's hammering away on her comic book. And uh, I think it's going to be released in 2018. And then we're going to announce open submissions for the next one um, probably sometime this summer. Uh, so yeah, it's just, you know, a bunch of creators getting together, raising money, um, and trying to promote creators doing original works and namely new creators. So, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So creators, dot com. What, uh, I wouldn't follow me on Twitter. I don't, I don't get much at that Twitter <laughs> art every now and then. <laughs> what, uh, what did you think of the Eagles draft? Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I don't follow college football, but I mean, I, I knew, of, uh, is it Barnett? Cause he, he broke Reggie White's sack record. Exactly. Tennessee, yeah, Tennessee. Right? yeah. So yeah. it's good karma. I mean, it's, yeah, it sounds good. You know, it seems like it's, I, I, I think the Eagles need help on defense the most. Um, and aside from wide receivers, which we seem to pick up in the off season. So, yeah, you know. Dude, the NCs, uh, I am I'm cautiously optimistic, but but uh, I never let myself get too excited because it's been a lot of years of heartbreak. So I know. Well, the the biggest thing for me is the defense because, like, we never re- as long as I can remember, the offense was never great except for the year you know when it was we went to we the Super Bowl, and we had To and yeah. McNabb. It was just like that we were unstoppable with Westbrook and stuff, but like. I mean, it's always, the Eagles for me has always been about defense. Like sure. I came up with Buddy Ryan yeah, of and then Jim Johnson. It just always felt like we're going to, we're going to hurt you. We're going to make you pay or the bend don't break philosophy. And now just to see teams like, I'm just always like, we better, but I don't know. It seems like we're scoring a lot more too. So <laughs> what, uh, what happened to Chip Kelly? Is he, he's got, he's just out of football completely. Or? He is. He is. I suspect he'll go back yeah. to college and make a boatload. Next year, but yeah, he's he's out this year. I think he's working for he ABC. Killed or us. Yeah, that Did was bad. He? Yeah. yeah, bad. I stuff. mean, were you ever a believer in that? Like the first season at all? No, I mean to be honest with you, I was. Uh, so, I mean, I think I've told you I, I've had season tickets since college, and uh, I was super upset. So I was always a big Andy Reid fan. Um, mm-hmm. I understood why we moved on, just because even great coaches can get stale. So I didn't have an issue with moving on. Um, that was fine. But I kept telling my buddies, like, look, I know we didn't get the Super Bowl with Andy, but he averaged almost 10 wins a season for 16 years. So there's as good a chance, if not better, that whoever we replace him with is going to do worse, not better. Because, of yeah. course, fandom, every fan was like, oh, when we get someone else, he's going to be able to put the cherry on top. And then we get Chip which I thought was uncharacteristic of the owner of Lori because it seemed like he was chasing a hot commodity. And, you know, that first year, everyone fell in love because we had this high-scoring offense and we won 10 games and everyone thought, oh, here we go. But, no, I was never a believer because I thought it was a gimmicky system that wouldn't work and, and he doesn't care about defense at all. And, um, yeah, you know, and then obviously he flamed out in San Francisco after one whole one season. So I think his time in the NFL is, is, is over and he'll probably make – you know, he'll probably go to some college now and, and win 10 games a year for the next 20 years. And I think he's, he's perfectly yeah. to be a great college coach. But um, I think that set us back. And, uh, you know, I don't know if Doug Peterson is is, is, a, is a great coach either, but but I, I, I like what I saw from the first year. And 
Um, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I just, I keep going back to like the players we lost under Chip Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> that was the like, thing. He go to the like roster. The, why, Deshaun, anytime we played Washington, Deshaun Jackson, like, beat us single-handedly. It was awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just to watch Yeah, for that. sure. Well, Sean sure. McCoy. I mean, he, I don't know. That killed me. Um, yeah, because it's not like they but, all went to other teams and struggled. They've all been quite good, or, you know, many of them. Yeah, have. no, I mean, they're just they're amazing players. Yeah. Like, how do you get rid of those guys, you know, without hurting the team? But The struggle is real. Know. Yeah. How are the but, Phillies doing this year? I uh, yeah, well, they're not doing well, but I don't actually care much because I'm <laughs> the only Philly team I'm a fan of, of the Eagles, believe it or not. So, yeah, yeah. So that's the only one I really care about. But, uh, but anyway, en- enough football talk. My, 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 my co-host here, <laughs> I can feel the eyes rolling in the back of the head. <laughs> and then we got, we got to put a mirror on Vince's nose. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. So is there Listen, uh, anything you guys want to get at or No man, it? I was just gonna say, I mean, we, we, we really appreciate you coming on and I, I think we'll see you at Heroes, right? You'll be there? No, I won't be at Heroes. <gasps> Snap. <laughs> I'll be at San Diego and You're Rose right. City. You guys should come to Rose City. I, Rose I City? know that's a big haul. Yeah, that's like the it's going to be like a really big image show. It's going to be, a sh- it's in Portland. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So Portland, if you're, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like the, uh, midway show between, uh, Emerald city, like for the, I guess the Northwest. I got you. Uh, Is it another Reed show? Does Reed run that one too? No, I don't think so. It's going to be, it's smaller, but uh, you know, like image is going to be doing like their homecoming dancing. It's the 25th anniversary. I just think they're going to kind of blow it out. Oh, nice. Um, nice. but there, are, I'm pretty sure there'll be a lot of image creators there just being in Portland. Uh, yeah, that would make sense. And, yeah. So it's just for me, it's just that in San Diego. Um, is it trippy sometimes yeah. that you're doing your, that you're doing your book at the, at the house that, uh, you know, guys like Rob Bill, I know you were a Rob Blackfeld fan is coming up as well. Yeah. So. I mean, I love, I mean, all those guys are rad too. They're super cool. And, uh, yeah, it's all, I mean, that's like when I came up, you know, like that kind of seemed like the model, you know, like you can you sure. go to Marvel or DC and then, you know, you go do an image book and like they did, like they were my heroes for sure. Um, as a, uh, as a skater, did you check out uh, Jim Rugg's Street Angel book that just came out from Image? I haven't seen the new one, but I'm, I'm yeah, you should check it, it out, man. Yeah, I mean, she's, uh, you know, she's a skater ninja chick, so. Cool yeah, stuff. yeah, I'm familiar with it. Yeah, he's cool. he's a rad artist. He's really good. Right on. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, thank you so much for coming on and giving us the time. We really appreciate it. And uh, bummed we won't see at Heroes, but uh, I'm sure we'll catch you at a at a con soon enough. Cool. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. You got it. Have a great night. Thanks, Nick. All right. Bye. All right. Thanks, guys. That was awesome. That was fun. And we're back. Yes. Yeah. Respect. Respect. Much love to Nick for coming on and. Uh, we didn't even really talk about the plot of East or West, but I figured, uh, which is good. Cause I don't, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm catching up now. I'm, I'm reading, I'm, I'm up to the, I'm a few pages into the sixth trade and it's, you can talk about the characters and, and the settings. And like he said, you know, Hey, I don't have to draw New York. And, and it's, there are some really, really cool and awesome things about East of West, but I don't, um, I think it would lose a lot if you tried to explain to someone. Because, oh, yeah, you know, it's about the Four Horsemen and 
there's, you know, there, there are these warring factions of, of the United States and it's like, but you're going to, it, you just really need to experience it, the book on your own. Yeah. It's a very complex series of, uh, of, of layers for sure. For sure. But, uh, yeah, man, Jersey represents. <laughs> uh, speaking of represent. So we mentioned earlier that, uh, that we have a thank you and, and, uh, not just to say thank you to the wonderful creator. We're going to talk a little bit about it because as soon as a new issue of this book hits, uh, Vince shuts us out and just focuses on that for as long as he can. So I'm just, I want to hear Vince talk about it. Do you? I do. Well, as David alluded, um, we all received the new issue of, I'll be honest, my favorite illustrator's new comic. And, so and that he is. He is God. by far my favorite. It is uh, Matthew Allison. And the book in question is called Cankor. And I feel like yep. we should have some kind of heavy metal burst of yeah. chaos yeah. in the back when we say Cankor. It's Calamity of Challenge number 204. Yes. Um, to try and describe uh, this book is difficult, to say the least. Because yes, um, on the inside front cover, which bears a very striking Aaron Conley uh, illustration. My dude! Uh, Matthew gives special thanks to Jim Woodring. Yeah. And I think that's very appropriate because both of the uh, Jim Woodring's uh, work and Matthew's, they kind of like flip the middle finger to reality, to mm. to any kind of um, – I don't want to say rational, but I mean there is a – a narrative to this thing, but to to take that and to impose a language to it in a way that someone else could understand. Yeah, this guy walks over here, and then he sticks himself with with something, and he becomes something different, and then he moves on to the like it. It would get extremely um, uh, trying for someone to listen to that for a period of time. You need to experience canker the way in which it's delivered. On the page, you need to digest this yourself. And um, for me, we all have um, images that we immediately uh, that spring to mind when we think of of illustrators like Steranko. You think of that Agent of Shield cover with the you know uh, with Nick Fury and the cubes and the, and the Scorpio. And for me, when when Cancor takes that um, pin and jams it into his forehead and we, we get that page that's broken into three panels, that is the Matthew Allison signature image for me right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and for, you know, for an illustrator to just keep leveling up, every issue is more complex, more detailed, more beautiful, more uh, fully realized than the one before it. This page is boss level Matthew Allison like like he is an incredible talent I I I'm in awe at this page just the texture he gets with that 
that um, you know, call it what you what you want to, like a, a eyelash or a sawtooth shading pattern. I mean, it's just brilliant and it's so controlled. Mm-hmm. I could I could gush about this book for weeks. Each the uh, the, the 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 line in the very title oh, of of Canker, the way he has this bio uh, or this organic kind of lettering that's that's they they look like organs they with, yeah. with, with holes in them, and it's it's he's insane. This this level is just unheard of. Yeah, the, 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 I. No, go ahead. It's with just, I mean, with, I know he, he uses microns and I just, but what he, the, the microns, that's like ridiculous. I know, Mm -hmm. I know. And it's what he puts, what we get, what we see on these pages, the, 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 the lines that he, it's just, it's, you know, I mean, Nick was just talking about working digitally and, and, and how he, you know, he, he, he's particular in, in the types of, of brushes he uses in the, in Monk Studio. And, but here's, here's Matthew and it, it, he's doing this work and it's, it, it looks flawless. There is absolutely no line out of place. It doesn't, it's, there's detail, but it's not busy. It's not distracting to the eye. It's just, it's, it is a crazy, looking book and some of it could you, you could look at it and and say well that that's disgusting but it's not gross it's not Who it, says you don't that? you're not repulsed you don't look away from it but just be, well i mean like you just said with the title but I, or, or you could look at the faces of some of the characters towards the, the the backup story and there are some things where it's just like that's 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 not pretty but the line no it's a it's a is, it's a grotesque book and thank you and yeah. and but but the fact that he doesn't it, it's not drawn ugly and it's not no, sloppy no, 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 and no, it's no. just it's it's insane and, and you know what kills me is the that with with a style like matthews he could go balls out psychotronic with the color and, yeah and yet the color in this book is understated Yes. Through the whole thing. I mean, it's just very tastefully done. It's almost, you know, slap me in the face, pastel-y. The, these colors are, are borderline pastels. And you see where a, a less talented person like myself would go in here and th- it would look like a freaking rainbow. I would just blast the color out. But he's smart. He, he's letting the, the line yeah. do all the work. I... I I'm selfish. It's it hurts when I get to the end of an issue because it just goes by so goddamn quickly, and I'm like, I, it it hurts. I'm like, I I'm just I turn that last page, I, I get to the back cover, and I'm just like, I I want more, and and I have to read it again, and it it, it doesn't it does not happen often enough where we get an issue of Kangaroo, and, no. and it just I I need it. Yeah, and uh, I said it. Last time we talked about Cancor and not to, uh, you know, tromp on the grave so soon, uh, after his passing, but I firmly believe that Matthew Allison is the new Bernie Wrightson. Wow. I said, yeah. I, if I didn't believe it, I wouldn't have said Ooh. it twice. He is. That is big talk. That, is. It, that's truth. That's what that is. Now I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not approximating Matthew Allison's style sure. with 
Wrightson. Like, he doesn't draw like Wrightson, but the level of detail, the idiosyncratic anatomy, and just the, the instantly recognizable characters that could only have come from Matthew Allison, there's a lot of Bernie Wrightson in this. And I think if anybody, if I would want to see anybody pick up that torch, that uh, Matthew Allison is the only one in my mind to do it. Totally. Yeah. That's mad respect coming from you. Yeah. Yeah. I love his stuff. I don't, you know, I, I use that word a lot. I love comics. I love, you know, well, yeah, I, but it's, I love, it's there, it, there's a genuine, the, the only way I can define my, the, the, the stuff that enters my brain when this art passes through my eyes, I love this art. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> you said it. Yeah. Much love. Got you fired up, Jack. I want to eat it. I want to eat it. I have no idea where I'm going to put this sticker, though. I'll put it on on my new Mac when I get one. Oh, (laughs) man. So it's going to be all... Skater for life. (laughs) 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 Oh, shit. Oh, well. So uh, what are you guys uh, jonesing on here? Wow. Um... What? Let me think. I know Jason read a couple of things that I that, that I don't think we did. Did I? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't saw get the, to, uh, the list is off. Number five list. yet. Okay, well, we hold off on that, but shame on you. Yes. Okay. Sorry, I was catching up on East to West. My bad. Actually, you know what? Tell oh, us about Aquaman. Oh no, boo! Oh boo! What? I didn't what? get to put it on the on our little agenda, but I got something. I definitely think you read, and I think Vince read it too. What are you, a ghost? Uh, what, what, what did I read? You say boo, boo, boo about, uh, yeah, what, what did I read? Folks, if you come to Heroes, you're going to see Vince and I, we're going to go into the octagon. You will lose. You will lose. What, anyway. What do we read? Um, I read the first two issues of American Gods. Oh, wow. Neat. Did you? Oh, God. I read, no, I read the first. I, I read the first one. Yeah. Okay, then. Yeah. I have not seen the first episode yet. Me neither. I don't watch that this weekend. Okay. I don't have stars, but yeah. I guess I'm going to get stars this weekend. Wink, wink. <laughs> um. <laughs> as long as that was, not, as that as was cute. That's right. If it was, if it was, if it was 20 minutes after it premiered, you know, Vince would be all on it. But by so, way I, of backstory, what? I, as you know, I read American Gods over the last two weeks in preparation. For the comic and the TV show. And so let me talk, because you guys, for those people, those crazy, sick, mentally ill people that decide to go back and listen to all of our old episodes in chronological order, uh, early in the show when we had a fourth co-host, Mr. Neesman, all three of you talked about American Gods and implored me on multiple occasions to read it. Uh, and I n- never heeded your advice, <laughs> but, but, uh, but I finally did. And, uh, I am the better man for it. I, I can yeah. see what, listen, it's, it's a great novel. And I admittedly do, do not consider myself a Neil Gaiman fan, meaning that I just don't, I haven't read a lot of his, his work, prose or comic. I, I don't mean I'm, I'm not, a, I don't mean I'm not a fan. I mean, I'm not a fan in that I can't profess to be a fan because I haven't experienced most of it, but, I do love, I, I love uh, mythology. I love 
the idea of all the different pantheons of, of, of gods. So I, this book definitely hit me there. I love the idea, the overarching idea of the old gods versus the new gods, because I mean, that is such a relevant social commentary about, and, and more so now than it even was when he wrote this book, what, 10, 12 years ago. Um, so kudos to him for seeing the forest for the trees then. But uh, the idea that things like the internet and television and money and are, are the new gods, the new things we worship, are very, it's very true. I mean, if you really boil down to what what worshiping something uh, or, or what the nature of religion is, he's spot on. Those are the things that most of us worship now uh, in some shape or form. And so I just love the idea of manifesting that in a fictional work where there are there are embodiments of those things just as much as there were embodiments of thunder and lightning and vengeance and lies is back in the old days. So just a, an amazing setup. Um, I think the book was terrific, although I would say it, it is a bit dated in that because it was a modern social commentary, there's some stuff that see that dates it, you know, like it's, it's a very dated book. It feels a book. It feels like a book that was written in the year it was written, if you follow me. Yes. Um, one little nitpick, which I just can't get out of my hand, and this is, uh, I figured I couldn't read, I couldn't praise a book without having a nitpick in, in, in honor of David, since, uh, you're the one that got me to read. <laughs> um, at one point when Shadow is talking about his childhood, he talks about how he was on the weightlifting and the triathlon teams. <laughs> and I was like, Neil Game has never seen more British because ain't no goddamn high school in the entire country that has weightlifting or triathlon teams. I mean, it just doesn't exist. So I don't know. I don't know. He was definitely showing his uh, non-American stripes then, but uh, but largely it's a it's a really fascinating depiction of of, of modern culture and worship. And um, I, I I thought it was great. I, I just I don't know if I can't say if it's his best book or where it ranks in all of his books because I haven't read his other stuff. But, but man, oh man, if, if, if this is the level of quality that Neil Gaiman is, is, is typical, um, as is typical for him, then, then I, then I'm a fool for not being a Neil Gaiman fan. So, um, have you all read a lot of, a lot of his other prose work? I know you both read, the, you know, his comic stuff, but have you read his other novels at all? Uh, I, I read and enjoyed Neverwhere. Um, I've read some of his short stories. Um, I haven't finished, well, I mean, at this point I should just restart it, but, um, Anansi Boys, which is kind of, it's somewhat sort of kind of, depending on who you talk to, maybe a sequel to American Gods, but not really. Um, but no, I haven't read it. I haven't read everything I, he's written. Um, what about you, Bizzle? I read Neverwhere. That's it. Ne- you never read American Gods? No. <laughs> American Gods and Neverwhere. That's I was going to say, wait a minute, I appreciate sure. okay. Actually, I think, I think you'd like Neverwhere, Jason. I know it, it was adapted into a, um, a radio drama. There was a BBC miniseries. Um, but the book itself I thought was pretty fun. Cool. Yeah, I have a Nazi boys. I just never read it. All right. So, so Dap, take us through it. I mean, you, you, American Gods is you, you were the most excited for this. So not to say that we weren't, but, but, um, what did you think? I I think it looks great. It really does. Um, there's not much 
left to the, if you read the book, if you read the novel, um, whatever you kind of envision when you let your imagination run, run away with it and, and, and the words game and puts on the page to paint the picture. I think, I believe the comic book does a fantastic job of, of making that a reality. Um, it, it looks just as, as drab and dreary as, as the story starts with, with the weather and the prison scenes. And, uh, I think between, um, game writing it and, and, uh, Hampton's artwork, um, I think it, it just, it's, you kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm almost tempted to say you, you won't, if you haven't, you won't need to read the novel just as long as you read the comic adaptation because it's pretty goddamn faithful to the source material. Um, I, uh, because I, I've read the first couple of chapters so many times, I, um, the first issue was extremely familiar to me. I really enjoyed the second issue, I think, more than the first. Um, although the first issue has a fantastic little backup, uh, by P. Craig Russell. And that, um, it's pretty erotic. But overall, I mean, you, you, you get introduced to the characters, um, Pretty quickly, the first issue is pretty much only two. It's it's basically Shadow uh, and Wednesday. Although there are a couple other characters that are mentioned, um, and and depending on how well you know your mythology and and your gods' names, uh, you'll be able to um, pick up on them pretty easily. But the uh, the second issue is where. Um, Shadow gets used to his new reality and, uh, and what Wednesday kind of has, what, what his duties will entail and, and what it'll be like kind of to, to work for Wednesday. But I thought, I, I, I think, um, this is definitely, if, if, you know, we, we, I look at my DCBS order and, and I said last month to you guys that, um, you know, looking at, if, it pretty much from, from publishers that I'm, I'm buying books from, um, I was pretty much down to one Marvel book. Uh, I think like maybe, maybe two, and well, no, it's Black Panther. Uh, um, and two, um, I think it was two DC books because Flintstones ended last month and Deathstroke. And then, uh, and if it wasn't for, the few image books and like, I think Dark Horse is in the lead with, with Department H, Black Hammer, and now American God. So if, if I was only buying one book from DCBS, then it would probably be, um, American Gods. And that's, that, that, that's no slight to, to Matt or Jeff, but, uh, mm. I, it, this is, it, it's pretty much, um, like Mage, if, if there's, if there's a book that, that's going to be coming out that, uh, that I need to buy it, it, it would be this one. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I've gushed about the whole American Gods book in the past, but 
as someone new to it and and so you read the first two issues what did you think about them well first point uh especially since the novel's super fresh in my head i agree with you that it's uh, the first two issues are a incredibly faithful rendition of the book not that we should have expected anything less since it's the same writer but i do think it's hard to it's just such a different medium. I, I think I would have understood if he truncated things to a great degree and, and he doesn't really, I mean, at least not in terms of the important points. I, 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 I guess I'm, I'm interested, I would be interested to know if you, if, if you had say read the book a decade or ago, would it feel as though it's, it's, it's as full as it does to me having just read it. But since you kind of fit that bill and you seem to be of the same mind, then I guess the answer is yes. Um, I, uh, and I'm probably going to get tomatoes thrown at my head for this. Um, I'm not a huge P. Craig Russell fan. Wow. Right? I know, I know. And I don't want to, how do I say it? I'm fine with him on this book. I, I, I think it works. So that's cool. But I would be lying if I didn't have a list of 50 other artists I would rather see partnered with Gaiman on this. Now, um, on the first issue, the, the the main story, that's mostly Hampton, right? But I believe Russell does the layouts. Okay. I will agree a little teeny bit with Jason in that I find the first issue, the visuals, to be incredibly boring. That's what I'm saying. Very stiff, I thought. Very stiff. Right, but I think that's also because um, because of the settings. It was, it like I said, it was it was prison, and then the airport, and then that's pretty much. I mean, even yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with you guys at all. At all, I'll say that. It's in, it, in the so it's it's Russell even with in the, the prison though. Like if like when he's drawing the doors. The doors are just gray rectangles in a, in a gray square room. There's yeah. no attempt to even make them three dimensional or have any shading. They're just door. They're just they're just gray rectangles in the middle of the page. Yeah, and I, so, I don't I, have the issue in front of me, but I remember the viewpoint of almost every single panel is just dead on. Yes, that's true. Yes, yeah. There's yeah. there's no uh, isometric, you know, top down. We're we're not looking mm-hmm. at it from uh, ants eye view, bird's eye view. It's just bang, everything's level, and and, and you know, it's the line is a little too clean for me. Yeah, I, I'm not. It, I expected. I'll be honest. I expected more. From P. Craig Russell and Scott Hampton. Now that said, the Somewhere in America part, which I think is primarily his. That's, that, that's right. Russell. That's Russell. That's amazing. Sure. So, oh, so then it's not, so you, so then you have a problem with Hampton. You know, I was going so. to be honest, as we're, it, yeah. I'm realizing that as we're talking about this, I didn't realize until you, you yeah. brought up the Scott Hampton and Vince. I just thought this was all P. I, I assumed oh. P. Craig drew it and Hampton inked him. I, I, now I'm seeing the difference. Because yeah. the part at the end, so for those that haven't read it, there's a, a little vignette at the end called Somewhere in America, which is a particular scene with another goddess, well, goddess, and that's amazing. And it's, it's, it's sexy and it's, you know, it's, I mean, there's a scene where dude is 
is coming and he's hmm. Russell draws him in basically a giant phallus of 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 orange orgasmic plasm. I mean, but it's a giant dick. I get that too. Uh, what's that? I get yes. that too. Uh, yeah. So no, that was cool. And then I mean, she. Not often you see a vagina envelop a human being on the, on the page. So. <laughs> Ooh, uh, that's a roast beef right there. But it, so P. Craig Russell again to talk about those quintessential images uh, or pages. For me, it's the ring cycle. I mean, there, the, he did okay. the uh, Wagner's, uh, there's a bunch of, uh, miniseries that he did for Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. And he, he, even the Kill Raven stuff, he's a very, he's a classicist. He, he, uh, is very much in, in the old mode where every line is sculpted and all the layouts are perfect and, uh, with, with the, uh, the, uh, you know, Art Nouveau kind of, or yeah, uh, stylings and, and trappings, but this is just even the colors are boring. On this, it, it it looks muddy to me, muddy and boring and lifeless and dead on. Uh, I I just expected a lot more from the visuals. The story's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not talking about the narrative at all. It's it's the what, what's in the confines of the panel borders is just like. I don't know. It's I, I'm trying to get some excitement out of this, but it, I'm, there's nothing there really. Is do you brand me a heretic? No, 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 not at all. Maybe it's by I, design. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's by design. Because there are I mean, other worlds than these. Yes, and right. and I think in the second issue, which takes place primarily in a bar, um, that. Uh, that that doesn't feel as sad or cramped as as I think the first did, or stilted as as the first issue did. All right, I'll take a look at that. I got it in the box. I, I think they were um, they're kind of just maybe maybe it was delivered so so that this way you know you just want the story to move on and and get out of that setting and and. Uh, Get the ball rolling, but right. Um, but w- w- when you counterpoint the fantastic with the mundane, and there's so much mundane in the first issue, yeah. That, that when we when we do get to the fantastic, it's going to make it that it much pops. right more yeah, more yeah, vibrant. Yeah, yeah. But no, I mean it, it wasn't a whiff, but I'm I don't want twelve issues of this. I, no, I, I, I won't I, last. Yeah, if um. I think if I think if anybody's just read the first issue and didn't read the novel, uh, I don't know if they think if they would think that this is the way the series is going to be, or if um, I, yeah, I, I'd really I, because we have the advantage of uh, having read the novel and, and knowing where it goes after he gets paroled. Um, uh, or so the early release that um you know we we know it picks up we know it doesn't it, it doesn't say so goddamn gloomy um i don't know if somebody who who just is going to read the comic without who hasn't read the novel if if they're going to just think you know that this is if this is the way these characters are if this is the way this this book is going to look then then i can't other than i'm out I, i'm not gonna be able to put up with this so um 
since Jason read the second issue, Vince hasn't yet. Um, I, I, I think it's safe to say that it's not, um, it's not going to be the way the first issue was after the first issue. Yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, now, you know, this is one of those things where he's been very faithful, but if we only have 12 issues, he's got a lot of ground to cover. I don't, do we have, I don't think we have only 12 issues. It, cause it, it says oh, it's an ongoing. Said that. Okay. Oh, it's ongoing. No. Okay. Yeah. It's, I, because the first, the, um, what the inside it? cover says, says shadows. And that's obviously that's, that's the main character's name. Um, I don't have the cover and I don't have the, the issue still wrapped up from my, PCBS box last Yeah, that's my bad. I thought it was a uh, like a limited thing. Yeah. I think they they might break it up. They might break the arcs up the way it was uh, the way the kind of chapters and acts were broken up in, right. in the novel. That's smart. Um, yeah. Se- season so, one, season two, whatever. Yeah, I mean, and that might if, if the creative team is going to be the same, then it gives them a chance to kind of uh, recharge your batteries between things. But um, I think it did very well. First issue. Oh, commercially, you mean? Yeah. Um, I am. Uh, I'm pretty much going to stick with the Glenn covers. I don't. Um, yeah. As far as the variants go, I don't. I. I don't. Um, Smart bet. The David Mack covers, and I don't. Uh, but I mean, even it, I mean the PDFs, the, the 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 review copies we got from Dark Horse. I mean, it 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 included all the variant covers, and there was like, and and as I'm clicking through Adobe Reader, I'm like, okay, I. Because it, what they, they show you the the cover, and then the interior of the cover. So you get you get the cover, and then you get the credits, and then you get the next cover and the credits. So I thought there was mm-hmm. something problem with the file, and and I'm like, why am I getting this like five times? But it's just it's just the way they they package your things, and then you finally get to the issue. Um, and I'm like, there were a lot of covers because I think there were even they even included some variants that were specific to to. Uh, certain retailers. So mm, uh, right. there were a lot of covers for the first issue. Let me tell you something. I think it is the perfect casting to have Ian McShane play Mr. Wednesday. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh my God. It couldn't be any better. It couldn't. I haven't even watched the show yet, but I can't, it, it, there's, it's the perfect casting. True. I have no idea about the rest of the cast and whether it's a good idea or not, but wow, that was great. Uh, do you know how, take a guess without looking how old Ian McShane is. 67, I was gonna say. <laughs> 74. Get Motherfuck. out. Good for him. Incredible. He got a little Lazarus pit going on somewhere. Right? Seriously. Wow. Definitely one of my favorite character actors of all time. Yeah. Of all time. Without a doubt. Imagine if Vince Hood did what? Damn. Just rewatched Deadwood. Lots. I haven't. I haven't uh, I'm almost done with the second season, so I can finally watch the third. I think. So, Jay, yeah, just rewatch the whole thing. I think Jason lives in a dimension where days are longer than than 24 hours. <laughs> How the hell do you get all this stuff done? Well, don't forget his family commute, was though, bro. Oh That's yeah, big. Time. I have three plus hours of commute every day. All right. So there you go. Now, I watched Deadwood, though, recall, uh, two weeks ago when my family was on spring break. I was home for the week to take care of the puppy. So I had it on most of the day while I was working on my laptop. So I essentially just shotgunned that series over again. But I'm pumped. So freaking good, dude. That Oh, my God. Deadwood's so good. Oof. Mercy. There you go. Mercy. I, I had to have HBO when that was coming out. It was, it was too good. 
What else do we read? Uh, I'll quick hit it. I'll just say that X-Men, X-Men Gold 2 and 3 and X-Men Blue 2 continue to entertain me. I, I am cautiously optimistic about the, the resetting of the X-Men universe. So. And you got your boy coming on, um, I don't even know the name of it. That, that new X-Men book that's in the, in the previews. Oh, Chung. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but who's writing it? No yeah, idea. no. I have no idea. I think I think I know who. Is it Soul? I think it is. Oh no, yeah, no, because that book is the one that I was making fun. Of. That that book is the that is Marvel's it's answer to All Star Batman. Yeah. It's going to be Soul writing it with lots of revolving artists, and just like they're doing with All Star Batman with Scott Snyder and revolving artists. And I was saying that in order for that to work, Charles Soul has to actually be important like Scott Snyder and he's not so yeah it's going to be a big flop but I mean it won't be a flop with Chung on it but I just I don't see that being a tentpole book I don't think you can have Charles Soule be the writer of a tentpole book at least not right now hmm do you disagree I I'm not all that familiar with Soule's work well that's my you then you 100% agree yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you're not that, that proves your point. Yes. Exactly. Yep. Precious mole. Did Did any of y'all read Youngblood number one? No, I have it. I actually no, I do not. I have the um. I saw the uh, free comic book day preview. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's 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 going back to. The roots of, of image, um, but I was intrigued because it's uh, the artist on the book is Jim Toe. Yes, and oh, sorry, it's what? not. It's, no, it was it, it was from the uh, the image collection this week, not not the free comic book day. I was getting my zip files mixed up. Oh, okay. Um, written by Chad Bowers, which I could take or leave. Really, be honest with you, I mean. Just in the sense that he's so far only written X Men '92, uh, and he did write the Deadpool Bad Blood OGN that looms that Rob drew. So we'll see how that turned out. But uh, but I think he did a fine job here of, of reintroducing us to some of these characters, including my man Bad Rock. Um, but Jim did a great job with the art, and this is a big deal for him. I, um, I really he's he's a largely been a a, a convention artist to this point. Um, so, and, and that's how I know him. We, he did a, a jam piece and a commission for me last year at a con, but, uh, so this is his first big, big comics work. And I think he acquitted himself well from a storytelling perspective. So good on him. Um, it's, it's nice to see. I think he definitely doesn't, the book definitely doesn't look like someone's first sequential work. So, um, good. I wonder if they're going to incorporate any of the things, uh, from profit. Like hint at them, especially with Bad Rock, because we all know what happens to Bad Rock in 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 Profit or what he in the form into which he evolves. That would be neat if there was some hint in this book of things to come. Well, he does have a disease in this book mm. that makes his skin look different. Interesting. So, could be. You never know. You never know. I got something, and it's, right. I can't really talk about it 
in, in detail because anybody that has read this, it was a 12-issue series. And anybody who has read this book, if I reveal anything that goes on in this, this 12th issue, it's going to be a major spoiler. Okay. So, but I will say that um, I was wrong in pegging uh, Alan Moore and Jason Burroughs Providence as uh, a work of hackery initially. I, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't all that happy. It seemed that Alan Moore was just cherry-picking the Lovecraft uh, library and taking particular characters and situations and inserting them into his tale with uh, Mr. Black being the observer and just him witnessing all these Lovecraftian flourishes and I thought it was you know, uh, weak on, on Moore's part. In issue 12 and part of 11 you get to see what it all means and why he did that and um he pulls together the courtyard, Neonomicon, and Providence into one big story. If you haven't read those two, there are parts of Providence that aren't going to make any sense. So you need to read. I'm hoping that Avatar uh, at some point publishes a giant omnibus of, of those three works because they need to be read Concurrently, you need to know everything that happened in the previous two stories to get anything. Well, that's not fair. To 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 fully understand Providence, you need to read the Courtyard and Neonomicon, because there are characters from those stories that appear in here, and um, their narratives uh, are very important to what mm-hmm. goes, what goes on in Providence, but. He has more has taken. I mean, he's so damn smart and and cunning as as a writer. Where he he takes previously written uh, source material and he somehow makes it his own with characters that he created. And not only does he he gives loves Lovecraft's work a reason to exist. Other than the fact that they exist in our world, in in, I don't want to get too deep into it because it's it, it, it's it's just going to spoil it all. But it's kind of like William Burroughs's language is a virus from space. Lovecraft's stories were written for a reason other than them being mere escapist entertainment. Let's just put it that way. And the fact that his Necronomicon was a f- piece of fiction doesn't matter one damn because there are people that did not consider it a work of fiction. And mm-hmm. in their homages and rewritings and reinterpretations of the Necronomicon, it becomes something real in this universe. And there's a, there's a, a precedent for the Necronomicon that creates the Necronomicon and then you have authors creating their works from the work that was created from another work and it all becomes real. The the, the art literally takes on life in this book. It's 
insane. I, that's all I'm going to say. It's just another. Right. It's another instance of Alan Moore. God help me taking something and making it better. This is the final word on Lovecraft. There needs to be no more series examining the work and life and creatures of H.P. Lovecraft. It's as far as I'm concerned, it's over. As of this issue number twelve, there we don't need another word on it. Alan Moore has perfected it. It's done. You, you can't. You can't compound this there, there's no making there's no eclipsing providence as the singular statement on hp lovecraft strong words can't be done read it i, I know the first the first couple issues the first bunch of issues were they weren't lackluster but they weren't what i was expecting and so mm -hmm. you, you know you're reading black's journal in the back and all his and, and you you progressively watch him go more and more insane which is perfect for lovecraft i mean that's what happens to lovecraft's protagonists they go their minds can't grasp the magnitude of the things that are entering them right um but it, it's a, just another instance of art imitating life imitating art he he takes fiction and creates a mythology of his own based on what was laid down before. And the world bleeds over. His his fictional world bleeds into ours. It's, mm -hmm. just, it's just great. It's, it's, it's perfect. Nice. Yeah. I think you should revisit it because you felt the same way I did on the, on the first yes. bunch. I was like, what? This is Alan Moore. This is bogus it's it's correct yeah but no he it, it took him a long time i mean it really started clicking by issue 10 11 is great and 12 is just perfect so now, can you say you're right though i would say that's that's a lot to ask of the average reader right and i was just going to say that can you mm -hmm. say that that is a can you praise a work that doesn't get full steam until the last 25% of the, the work. Right. I mean, so is it a good work? Does the does the finale eclipse all the stuff you had to witness and endure previously? I don't know. For me, it does because this issue 12 is a big, big statement. Okay. Yeah. It's it's freaky insane. Right. I well, don't, the easiest thing for me to do would be get the collected edition and read it that Right, way. right. right. I, I don't dream. Well, I, I I shouldn't say that. I don't remember my dreams. I was going to say my, everybody dreams. Right. My my mind does stuff when I sleep, but I have no knowledge of it when I wake up. I'm I'm like a light switch. You flick me off when I go to bed, and when I wake, you flick me on when I wake up. I don't remember anything. I had the strangest dreams after reading issue twelve. Mm -hmm. Like scary, strange dreams. I woke up. I was like. WTF, what the hell just happened? And I wasn't smart or fast enough to write them down. The things that went through my mind as I was dreaming, bad on me. But if something can leach into my consciousness to make me behave and act and, and function in ways that I don't normally do, that's some powerful damn stuff. And uh, I think when, when you read the entirety of Providence and you get to this final issue, you're going to be like, holy mackerel, only Alan Moore. All right. I, I want you guys to read it because I want to talk on it. 
because it's, okay. it's big, big doings. Especially if you're, a, especially if you're a Lovecraft fan. Okay. Yay. It's on. It's on. And this issue was late too, so the the hindsight, if like you said, if you couldn't read it all in some kind of omnibus form from start to finish and and get everything and just soak it all in, you'd be better off for it because we waited a long time for the series to finish. I'll say, yeah, you waited a long time. <laughs> By the way, are you ever gonna what, what's uh, what's going on with DK with Dark Dark Knight? Oh, you didn't read number eight. I have not read the last four issues. Why? Oh, I I wanted to wait for it to be all done and see if that helped. No, I, I think you made the right choice. I think he's he's being facetious, is what he's he's being. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, this does not need nine issues. It needs twelve. Oh, it's not, wait, it's not done. No, no, no. They went to oh. nine issues. <laughs> That's unfortunate. It's not, no, it's not unfortunate. Story. It's the best. It's like Christmas. You get another another gift. Uh-huh. What's up it's with like you guys? If, if Christmas was therapy. So you have the... Uh, oh, my God. Uh, if Christmas was herpes. The, uh, Vince liked it because uh, they were Amazons. Um, there's just... it. The what the hell was the the backup story was um oh the return of uh Nazi tits and the um Oh my god and the commissioner. Um who apparently is Jewish. Did you know the commissioner was was Jewish in the original miniseries? I didn't um I don't think it mattered. (laughs) No, no, it really didn't. Um, But but who illustrated the backup? uh, The the backup pencils. Yep. By Frank Miller and inks by Klaus Jansen. It is the best looking backup to date. I agree. I agree with that. Uh, Unfortunately, I just wish it was a subject that actually, for me. Um, kind of mattered. It, it's the uh, the the Nazi sympathizers have, have returned, and uh, and and uh, the Joker gang. Um, there's maiming and dismembering, and 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 action, Woo! and 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 shots fired, and, uh, and shots fired, shots fired. Uh, it's, it's, um, there's lesbian overtones <laughs> and Nazi. It doesn't hurt. Do, do you think that this was, um, thrown together in light of current events? Well, he, sh- the current events showed up earlier in the series. I think in the second or yeah. first or second issue we but saw. This, this is pretty uh-huh. in your face though. Yeah. Yeah. But it's that, that, that's Frank. So, which is, which is fine. God, God bless him. I have yeah I mean if you're going to um take shots at 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 what's so damn everywhere um I I know you realize how close you're you're one LinkedIn you're one separation away from hanging out with Frank Miller Yeah I know right Yeah you need Tom to. King and Scotty man they both yep. 
It's going to happen. I'll sit right on his lap. It's going to happen. I I would let him sit on my lap. I would I would prop him up and just be his rock. I mean, he he weighs the same as a small child, so I don't think it'd be that onerous. (laughs) That's onerous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but the 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 main story um, was uh, that kiss, yo, (laughs) with the baby. Hold the baby. Yeah, the baby and kiss me. With all the blood all over you, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just I, at this point, I just kind of. This issue was all spectacle. Um, it did the return of the of, of the nineteen forties Batmobile. Yeah, it. I don't think this issue ad, advanced the story all that much. Um, it's the Amazons are stepping in. Oh, and there's the Flash, and and all Selina cares about is that uh, she, she's just going on and on about how they killed Batman. Batman's dead. They killed Batman. He's dead. But then Boss shows up after the events of the um, the after the dip in the Lazarus pit, um, which of course will help him fight the villains of of the story because now that, now that he's all all younger. Um, I guess he'll be he'll be better, but it's it's yeah it's it's um I don't know it, it, it's it's weird, man. I I think that uh, if if you enjoy the if you enjoy the material, if you enjoy the Dark Knight Returns universe, if uh, if if you're a Frank Miller fan and just want anything that he may have breathe next to uh and therefore you're you're a completist and and must have in your collection and and, you know it's not fair at all it's um well it's we're i'm not you're struggling i am because i'm like i'm like okay listen if if you if you love frank miller i don't know why this makes me laugh (laughs) (laughs) if if you love frank miller then then it's probably something you're going to want in your collection but I don't know if, like, if you're a Brian Azzarello fan, is this something that you'd say, oh, you know, all right, t- tell me the three best things that I Azzarello. Don't, I, don't, I don't understand why you're focusing on that. If you're, uh, if you're a fan of the creators, then maybe you might want this. It's a good story. Uh, it is. It's. If you're a Batman fan, this is something you're going to want. That's how it works. If you're a Superman fan, see they covered all the bases in this thing. Oh, so it's so it's a Brave and the Bold and DC Comics presents. It right. is. It's world's finest. Dark Knight Three, uh, Master I Race. Wouldn't say finest anywhere. Oh, <laughs> you're a dick. <laughs> you're a big oh, dick. Niggity <laughs> stamp. I'm sorry, man. I love you, but there are just certain things that I can't. It's. Uh, listen. Wow. Uh, struggles. I'm 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 glad it's out there for people to enjoy, and and I'm I'm staring at the spines right now. I, I'm right behind me. The eight issues that are going to be of I think um, it's sorry, Batman. It's, it's Carrie. It's it's, <laughs> it's 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 not Batman. It's I think it's Batman. It's, it's Robin. It's Robin. No. And now that oh that that's why they went nine issues because they have to put her last kneecap in the uh, on the last spine. <sighs> sorry, Vince. It's. It's so good. Don't don't listen to him. No, don't listen to me. Don't listen to me. You're not going to want to hear it. Nope. You're being all silly. Yeah. (laughs) No no honesty here, boys and girls. 
All right, everybody. I guess that's Going out on a high note. <laughs> yeah. Th- thanks for being here with us once again. Remember, the DCBService.com specials are up, and they are great. From Boom, you got the Clive Barker Hellraiser Omnibus Trade Paperback, Volume 1, says here, of 2. Over 500 pages for 1999. Image, the low deluxe hardcover volume one. Oh, it's, Tocini's work is just so gorgeous. Way line. Uh, this is a $50 hardcover that you can bring home for $24.99 and from, uh, Titan Comics. It's Mandrake the Magician, Fred Frederick's Dailies hardcover volume one. You get the special discount of $27.49. That's 45% off. In your travels. Another one of those works that uh, operates on a different wavelength. Gorgeous art by Nick Darrington. I got caught up on Doom Patrol from uh, Gerard Way and Young Animal. I fear for the longevity of this book only because it's so disjointed and um, it's not an easy read. Agreed. But I think the uh, the quality of the uh, the work going in is is worth persevering. I I think Darrington is going to make the jump with this work from um, some sometimes name to one of those guys that comes up on on everybody's uh, uh, everybody's tongue. The, the work, the quality of the, if not for the story, the quality of the visuals in this book are, is just impeccable. Do you agree? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I do. But it, like I said, it's very hard to read. Way is trying to uh, ape the 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 greatest writer on Doom Patrol, and that's Grant Morrison. And I think in trying to ape him, he's, uh, well, uh, his his slip is showing a little bit. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not a, it's not a bad read. It's just, it's not, it, it the book is, doesn't facilitate Speed. You're not going to blow through this. There are things going on. I had to go back to issue two, uh, on, from issue six. Uh, I had to go back to three. Like, they're, they're, it's, it's rough. It, it's hard to read. But I'm, I'm pushing through and I'm recommending it because I think it's, it's a worthy read. It will be a worthy read once I, I piece all this stuff together. But damn, does it look good. Was that praise? Faint. Was it? I really like it. I, I, I like this book a lot. It's just, I'm just trying to make sense of it. Right. Hmm. So, yeah. Be like me and go keep buying Doom Patrol from Young Animal. At least I couldn't stick with it. No? No. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I the, That whole line lost me. Eight person seven all of it all lost me. Um, Shade the changing girl is losing me. 
but yeah, I, the Molly Zarkona. Yeah, thing. I'm gonna stick. Well, I don't, I don't mind the art when it's on Meta. When it's on Earth, it's just there. Um, but I'm sticking with uh, Mother Panic and Doom Patrol. Sorry. Can't win them all. No. It just sucks, though, because there have been so many incarnations of the Doom Patrol, and the only one that ever stuck was the Vertigo one. Yeah. And and the original, okay, for, for whatever span of time yeah. it came out. Bruno Fermiani. They just keep trying to, to bring back Doom Patrol, and it just it doesn't click with people. I don't know why. Well, maybe this is the reason. It's odd. It's oh, odd. of course it's odd. But that's not a bad thing. Comics should be ridiculous. Sure. And fun. That sounds like a column you used to write. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Motley. Get back in the race. Oh, oh, no. oh goodness. Oh, oh man. My goodness. Uh, in, in your travels, um, go to the movies. Because uh, there's this yes, little indie art, art film that's coming out that, uh, that needs your help called Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, on Saturday, get thee to a comic shop because it's free comic book day. Indeed. Uh, and there are a couple of uh, offerings that we will probably talk about next week. Make sure yeah. you pick up I Hate Image. Yeah, definitely a couple. Uh, yeah, and probably <laughs> The Tick. Knowing the comics, yeah, get the SpongeBob um, one too. Oh yeah, for Jason. No, because it's, it's, oh. it was great. I didn't read that one yet. You should. I will. Um, but in your travels, while you are picking up those free comic book day comics, and since you need uh, to support your LCS and uh, who are going out of their way to put the event on for you, uh, pick up this rather funny little comic book by writer Ryan Brownie and artist Pete Woods. Uh, when I saw this solicited in previews, I had to send Ryan an email because I had absolutely no idea this was coming. And it is from the pages of Project Superpowers and it is called Hero Killers. And it is basically the sidekicks of three of the um, Project Superpower heroes. And uh, I know very little what? about Project Superpowers, except for the uh, fairly decent Alex Ross covers from back in the day. The uh, I talked uh, about Project Superpowers. Oh, you did absolutely. Brownie's absolutely. doing Project Superpowers. Uh, he's doing a spinoff in Project Superpowers Hero Killers, and it is really funny. And it, which out there because it's Brownie, uh, but it is about um, it's about Captain Battle Junior and Sparky. And Black Terror sidekick Tim, and uh, Libertyville is basically overrun with heroes. There are so many heroes; they they they, they outnumber the criminal element like four to one. So, um, because Libertyville was overrun with uh, criminal scum, they offered to pay heroes to come in and, and help clean up. So they did, but now um, <laughs> heroes really aren't getting a payday because there's not a whole lot of crime going on. And uh, they, all the heroes show up to take on this, uh, to take out a bootlegging operation, which uh, isn't quite what it seems. And um, 
the heroes all kind of go away in in a huff uh and and black terror is a real prick and and he uh he he browbeats tim and uh demands tim to call the hooker that he gets on tuesdays even though he knows it's wednesday it feels like a tuesday so he wants that hooker to be called and order a pizza but he's drunk and he falls over and he knocks himself out and um the sound effect when he hits the end table is concuss. The sound effects are awesome in this book. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the, um, there's a horrible Funny. shove that happens. Yeah. Uh, and, and the, uh, I mean, Pete Wood's art is, is absolutely fantastic. It, it, they work really well together because since Ryan is a funny dude, um, and we've seen Ryan's own artwork and, and how he gets the humor across. Uh, mm-hmm. the fact that he's writing for someone else and, and Pete still gets the, um, Pete's line is a little bit more serious, but the fact that he's got the facial expressions and, and the, uh, and the actions down, um, there's a, uh, it, it, they, they just work really, really well together, but something bad happens at the, uh, at the end of the issue and, um, Tim, is a little worse for wear and uh I'm I'm curious to see where it's gonna go from here. But this was this was a lot of fun. I knew like I said, I don't know anything about these characters aside from when Vince talked about them years ago and I I had a great time reading this. That this was a lot of fun. It was silly. Um I was a little worried that, that it might be more brat packy than uh than something more funny but uh no it it ryan delivered pete delivered it's a um it's it's uh there's there's one panel that i i I keep cracking up at because black terror is yelling at at tim and um because tim's like listen i don't think these bootleggers were actually you know bootlegging anything i I think this was just i think we kind of screwed up here and and uh Tara's yelling at him and just says, you know, shut your mouth before I shut it with my terror fist. And it's just, it's the stupidest shit, but it's, it is really, really well done. There's, there's a little bit of, um, of a Kevin McGuire-y kind of feel as far as, uh, some of the, the expressions on the, the, and, and the whole hero squared things. It, it, it feels like a Giffen and De Mateus style book, um, Speaking of Hero Squared, the omnibus is offered. I saw time. that. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think you know if 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 you got a couple of bucks to burn a hole in your pocket, you want to give something a shot, then uh, then do this. I don't know. Um, I, I do not know off the top of my head if it is a uh, if it is an ongoing or if it's a miniseries. But it's um, it was crazy. It was it, it was a lot of fun. Like I said, it's Ryan Brown, Pete Woods. Uh, Celeste Woods is a color assist. Letters by Crank because it's you know it's written by a guy in Chicago, and um, it's a uh, it, it's it's by Dynamite. So so give it a shot. Boom! Alrighty then, make it clap. A spirited in your travels, if there ever was one. Uh, I read twenty one issues of a series this week. You did. Wow. Dying to hear about it. Uh, I don't know why, um, there were certain DC, uh, rebirth series that I just kept buying the single issues 
in, in spite of being able to read a lot of them digitally. And uh, one of the series that I have bought every issue to date was Aquaman. And I had read exactly two issues. <laughs> so when I was cleaning out my closet and organizing, I thought, well, dang, I got to, I gotta read these if for no other reason than to see if it's worth continuing to buy since I'm, I've bought six or what, 12 months of this book without reading it. Um, the reason I bought it was twofold. One, I've always been intrigued by Aquaman as a character. I, I always feel like there's a good Aquaman run out there somewhere. And generally most of them I've tried, but dropped off. So this time I had a little more confidence because it was written by Dan Abnett. And I don't know that I've ever read something that Abnett's written that I disliked. So, um, but, but yeah, so, so this, this is a, I read the, like I said, the first 21 issues, all written by Abnett, bunch of different artists, which is the nature of the DC rebirth by weekly shipping. But, uh, we've got Brad Walker, we've got, uh, Phil Briones, um, we've got Scott Eaton. Mm. So good crew, all very, solid classic superhero artists. Uh, I think you know what you're getting with all three of those guys. And I think their styles are compatible enough that there's no jarring shifts we uh, issue to issue um, that you might get otherwise in a biweekly book. Um, and yeah, man, listen, I'll, I'll say this. It's, it was, a, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's not what I hoped it would be in the sense that I love the ocean. I love undersea, really anything. Um, and so I, I always hope that when I read this book, that it's going to focus on the sea in a big way and show me the sea life and, and focus on the adventures of the ocean. And I guess to an extent it does a little bit, but it's still pretty much focused on other things. Big, you know, the, you know, villains and political intrigue. The most interesting thing about it is that there's been a consistent undercurrent of political strife as Arthur has tried to deal with the fact that he runs a, a country essentially in Atlantis that uh, has millennia old xenophobia and they dislike the surface for probably good reason because most of their interactions with the surface have been violent over the years. And Arthur actually ends up going toe to toe with president Obama Save the uh, drama for Obama. He ends up giving Obama a tongue lashing in the Oval Office and says, you're going to listen to me because if I wanted to kill you, you'd already be dead. So he steps to him. He brings it. And uh, Obama, being the rational president that he was, hears him and uh, makes the appropriate uh, changes to policy. In essence, the through a series of three company-like gaffes of misunderstanding, uh, Atlantis and the United States are right on the verge of going a full-scale war. And it's gotten so bad that Superman comes to go chest-to-chest chest with, with, with Aquaman. And Aquaman is pissed because, in essence, he sees it as the Justice League choosing the U.S. over trusting him. And it's a pretty dope showdown because Superman being Superman is trying to be very magnanimous and say, no, 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 this is, I'm just here to help. I'm going to help whatever I can. But when it comes to it, Superman makes the point that like, look, if, if you do this, if you commit war, if, if you're lying to me, I'm going to take you down. And 
there's nothing you can do to stop me. And then they leave, and uh, Mara, who's all fired up, basically wants to know what happened. And Aquaman essentially says, like, look, i got to fix this, because if I don't, Superman's going to take me down. I can't stop him. So some pretty cool political intrigue. Um, Black Manta is involved, of course. Uh, that's obligatory, I guess. Um, some pretty cool stuff in the last arc that I've read. I'm in the middle of that arc uh, regarding some genetic manipulation and some undersea creatures. There's a group of characters. I don't know if they're new or not. Maybe you guys would. The uh, Aquamarines. In essence, they're a group of, of U.S. Marines that have been modified and they can morph into anthropomorphic sea creatures. So that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. They're like G.I. Joe meets sea creatures, which I like. Um, so I've had a lot of fun with it. It's, I would say it's a straight down the line base hit superhero comic. You know, it's, 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 it's not groundbreaking stuff either visually or plot wise. Um, but it's rock solid. And if you like Aquaman, if you like the Justice League, it, it definitely is a worthy read. But, you know, this isn't something that's going to, make my list for the 11 o'clockers, you know, it's, nice. it's a solid book. If, if you read lots of books, it's a solid book worth reading. If you're on a budget or time constrained that you need to make way for five to 10 books a month, this wouldn't be that, do you know? If you want to read an Aquaman story that focuses on the sea as much as the character, you got to read sort of Atlantis. Yes. I've been told that before I do. Okay. You got it? Send it to me? I do have it. Send it my way. That's, I have it in many forms, too. I have the single issues. I have the trades. I got oh, well, damn. other stuff. Yeah. Send the brother a copy, it's, son. It's great. Okay. So there you go. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here. We love you so much. You got to come back next week. Why? Because Dap is going to get all frosty and... Weepy and just just come back, um, and because uh, we got a website, eleven o'clockcomics.com. Go there, go to our Facebook page. We will uh, probably accept you sooner or later. And uh, we're as long on, as you make it clear that you're not a bot or a Russian hooker. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in the meantime, say goodnight. <laughs> David. Oh, good night. David. <laughs> so, I was waiting for him. I was grunting. Nice, nice, nice grunting. Oh, bye. May the fourth be with you. This is how we grunt. Oh, wait, wait, one more second. What's, What's that? One thing we forgot. What's that? The happiest of birthdays to both Mrs. Wood and Mrs. Price. Oh. Wow, we did forget. How did we they forget? listen so religiously? Yeah, yes. right. Yeah, they'll know about but it. But all of you fools that are Facebook friends with us, shout our wives out this week. Give them their birthday love. Yeah. My wife wasn't born. <laughs> she was. She was spawned from the. She was, earth, <laughs> she was on Earth. <laughs> she was casted. She was summoned. Oh summoned. She was summoned. <laughs> That's cold, yo. Uh, is that fun? I read, I read 21 issues too. It was eight, uh, it was the first date of, uh, Master Race. Oh my god.
<laughs> Shots fired on the way out the door. <laughs> that's fucked up. That's like that gunslinger that's leaving the saloon and he's shooting as he walks as he backs his way out of the the the, the revolving doors or the uh, the flapping doors. Uh, I, don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I think you do. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Good times, good times. Shots fired. Yep. You watch Vince. I'm going to read it and catch up and tell you how awesome it is. Yeah, you'd be like, this is shite. (laughs) (laughs) Why would he say that? Why don't you think he'll like it? (sighs) Can we go? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You're the one at the controls. Let's remember who caused you pain today. Not me. Who right? Did, no, he didn't cause you. Dap never caused me pain. Oh, my God. He shat all over. That's fine. He, I knew uh, I knew he... But see, that wasn't a surprise. I knew he didn't like it. You didn't think he was going to hammer you on the Batman shadow? Then? No. I didn't. He didn't really hammer. He just tweaked. He poked. He and I was... And, and I was... I wasn't... I wasn't poking fun at the shadow or anything. I just... I, I had... Just some... This is the coolest story that I've ever loved. At least that I've seen. In my limited.